welcome to a special edition of Laps Gamer Radio. Um, a bit of well, it's probably the Ballyhoo region because we it's have a, video it's games. It's a Ballyhoo. It's a Ballyhoo. And it's a Ballyhoo trilogy. Um, it's going to be one a month, and we're going to start off with the Fellowship of the Ring. Of course, it's Lord of the Rings. Part of the reason we are doing this, well, it's twofold. First of all, it's the 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring. Really? In this, yeah, December 2001, mm. it came out. Um, wow. The trailer would have been released in 2001 in the early part of the year, and that was quite amazing and astounding. Couldn't wait for it. But in addition, um, Nick has never seen Lord of the Rings. Sort of. Fully complete. <sighs> yeah. Right to yeah. the end. All right. First of all, just a quick question, Nick. Were you in any way familiar with Lord of the Rings before you saw the film? Before I saw the film, as in like two weeks ago. Yeah, or even before the first time you tried to watch the film, however long ago. Well, the first time I tried to watch the film was in 2001. So Were you in any way familiar with Lord of the Rings? I was nine, so no. Well, that's mm, not an excuse. <laughs> I I tell a lie. I probably um, I had probably played um, the ZX Spectrum Hobbit game, right. so I prob I knew more about the Hobbit than Lord of the Rings, which I think is more so acceptable you, okay, because you, the Hobbit was kind of written as a children's book. Yeah, yeah. Had um, had you read the Hobbit? I think I my dad bought it for me, and I think I started it. But I didn't get very far because I was too busy, like being obsessed with Harry Potter. Sorry, okay. I was nine. <clears throat> it's fine. It's, it's fine. Generation. It's fine. Yeah. Some of us were cool nine-year-olds. Um, yeah. Sorry, Andy. I, did, I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. It's <laughs> all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh yeah, those are the voices of Mark and Nick. Hello. Hello. Forgot to introduce it. Yeah, and yeah. So we do a trilogy of podcasts based on the famous films, probably the ultimate trilogy, and we're here to judge Nick's reactions to the three I mean, films. Better trilogy of our generation, I think. Yeah, but ultimate. I mean, they're up against the stiff competition: Indiana Jones, Star Wars. But they're not trilogies anymore. Uh, I was going to say The Godfather then, but Godfather 3 is real bad. Star Wars is a saga. I don't know, the code is meant to be good. Sorry? The Coda. Godfather 3 Coda. The new version of it is meant to be really oh, good. I'm sure it's great. I actually don't mind Godfather 3. We can't get off topic already. Okay, <laughs> Greatest trilogy of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's true. I mean, I would argue yes, of course. Your generation um, is in you old people. We'll get angry emails from. (laughs) We'll get angry emails from Star Wars fanboys if you if you make a definitive statement like that. But but Star Wars isn't a trilogy. No, it's it's a trilogy of trilogies. Yeah. But each one is a each one is a trilogy for each generation. Yeah, for a new generation. Yeah, I suppose. I didn't like mine. Because I was too young for Star Wars. So I was about... F- I was one year old when Star Wars came out. That's no excuse, Andy. Four when I'm 
And yeah, but I mean, I did watch them on TV and they were great. But it's not one of those films I really look no. forward to um, watching when I was really young. I love them now, but for me, if, I mean, it was Back to the Future and those and that trilogy and like I said, Barbara, Indiana Jones, but that's four. Four of them, maybe going to be a fifth. But yeah, I think it is the trilogy of a generation. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I won't get too bogged down in my Tolkien credentials, uh, but it was incredibly important for me. Um, my parents both Tolkien obsessives. I was raised on Lord of the Rings, so my earliest memories are going on long uh, long car journeys um, to for a camping holiday to the south of France or wherever um, listening to the old 1981 I think uh, BBC dramatization of the Lord of the Rings mm. um, on Ooh. like 13 cassette tapes <laughs> um, listening to it on the on the way down um, <laughs> yeah and then probably again on the way back I'd listened to that that dramatization of the Lord of the Rings so many times that there's some things that I'm sure we'll come up to later on mm. in, in discussion. Um, uh, I've, I'd read the books fairly young, um, maybe, I don't know, 11 or 12. I, I finally like sat down and properly, properly read them. Um, cause they are quite dense. Yeah, um, I've read The Hobbit multiple times, and yeah, and I've read um, uh, later on read The Silmarillion as well. Um, like I was an am a Tolkien obsessive, uh, so when the films finally came out, mm. I was well, I couldn't. Yeah, I was beside myself with excitement. Yeah, well, you mean you weren't beside yourself with excitement when you saw the Ralph Bakshi film? No, because they never finished it. No, it's it's okay. It's like the um, what's the there's the, there's the animated film of the Hobbit as well, and it's like it's yep. fine. And Return of the King is animated. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, yeah, but not not like this. Not like this. No, no, no. I do admit it's um, this is. Unbelievable! That first trailer comes through, and they're walking across the misty mountains. It comes across the hill, and the music's blaring. It is unbelievable. That was a teaser trailer. Just mm. couldn't wait for it. Every Christmas, it was a Christmas event. This was like the really start years, of Christmas yeah. movies. For three years, it was movies. it was the thing I looked forward to the most. Mm. It's like, oh shit, new Lord of the Rings film. Yeah, then the Blu-ray, and then the extended versions. And the extended versions, yeah. Yeah, um, um, I have watched all three films. Um, oh god, probably about a dozen times, um, both cinematic and uh, extended editions. On at least two occasions, I've watched all three extended editions in one sitting. Wow. Um, I did it once at um, at uni while I was quite baked. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I fucking love them. Um, should we, before we actually start talking about the films, can we talk about like just how much of a risk these films were? Right? When did yeah, the first Harry risk. Potter film come out? 
2001, November, I think. November 2001. November 2001. Okay, they're sort of yeah. at the same sort of time. But um, that scene, that feels like a little bit different. It's not like high fantasy. Um, Harry Potter was different as well because it wasn't actually like... It wasn't... It hadn't stood the test of time. No. Um, I think... Like Harry Potter only started to get big around 2000 with the launch of Goblet of Fire. Mm. Like yeah. it was still quite small for the first couple, just kids and the parents reading them. Mm-hmm. And I, the films turned them into like a massive phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas but, I think um, Lord of the Rings was a phenomenon before. Yeah, no. The, yeah. the The point I was trying to make is um, that to make a large scale fantasy movie. Mm. Um, was an incredibly risky thing to do. There's two genres of film that had been yep. tried to be made over and over and over again and had failed multiple times. And that was high fantasy and pirates. The last big pirate film they'd made <laughs> um, tanked <laughs> so bad it, it ruined uh, several actors' careers and buried a studio. Um, yep. And in the space of Couple three of years, we got... Um, yeah, that film, yeah. Um uh, in the in the space of uh, three years, we got one gigantic. Well, we we got uh, yeah, we got a trilogy of gigantic, incredibly uh, expensive fantasy films, and then the the beginning of a gigantic, expensive pirate franchise that were yeah. both incredibly successful. But yeah, it was it was it it must have taken a lot of persuading. Um. And a lot of well, uh, I don't know what for for these films to even happen, for for the people to put well, forth the money we- to make these films happen, given how many terrible fantasy films there'd been before them, like the fucking Dungeons and Dragons oh, film. Yeah. yeah, all those ones of the eighties, which I do have some soft spot. You got Beastmaster, Hulk yeah, Slayer, yeah. Um, Krull. That- because of fantasy, all these fantasy films. Willow, I mean, I do love Willow. Willow's um, great as well, but again, not a financial success. Yeah. No, it wasn't. So it was a risk. But when you look at the history of Lord of the Rings, you're also taking. You have to look at Peter Jackson. You're taking a risk on this young director. His last film before Lord of the Rings was one of my favorite films, actually, The Frighteners, mm-hmm. um, which was a bit of a flop. Heavenly Creatures um, wasn't exactly a box office success either and before no. that the only films he'd done were like uh, super low budget um, comedy horror Very films in, in New Zealand yeah so you're taking a risk on Peter Jackson, you're taking a risk on the trilogy and when you look at it in, in many cases producers I mean I read an Empire article earlier this year they did, a, they did a 20th anniversary special on Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and it almost Harvey Weinstein um, had the rights at one point, mm. and Peter Jackson really had to play it really carefully to get the rights off Weinstein, Weinstein to get it down back to get it to New Line. Yeah, because um, I think Weinstein wanted it as a two films duology with a possible Hobbit, adding making it a trilogy. That would not have worked. Um, and. No, everyone knows the Hobbit's a trilogy in itself. <laughs> no. uh, um, 
No, it would not work. Like, so, there, there, there is a long and very storied history about disputes between um, movie studios and publishing houses yep. and the Tolkien estate and who owns what, where, when, and why. Um, mm. That was the main reason yep. why we did not get... This is one of the greatest cinematic crimes ever. Somewhere there is an alternative universe where they got a um, Guillermo del Toro two-part Hobbit film. And we didn't because studio spent so long fighting over who had the rights to the film uh, that it never got to be made. Yeah. But Anyway, again, we're digressing again. Well, yeah, this um, is a... Yeah, we're going to The Hobbit. But like, United Artists had the film, um, the producer Saul Zentis had it... Um, they had to get uh, Weinstein got it off him, and eventually New Line got it off mm. Weinstein, but with a lot of wrangling and everything else. And I think I can't remember what Peter Jackson did, but eventually he did something to con Weinstein. He's some like I, he's to. got to have because like um, you know you were saying about it's like a bit a big big jump for for Peter Jackson going from the sort of films he'd made to making this sort of film, um, and this was way before the current trend of plucking an interesting indie director and giving them a new Star Wars or Marvel film. Um, this was a passion project by Peter Jackson. He wanted to make these films and he made it happen. Yeah. And he must have... He, like The only way I can figure that these films happened, given how expensive they were and how much of a risk they were and how much wrangling and wheeling and dealing needed to go on to actually be able to get them to happen, he must have a folder of the most incriminating photos of <laughs> movie executives up and down Hollywood. I mean, looking at it, Weinstein insisted it would actually go down because of a budget spiralling. Weinstein insisted on a two-hour film for The Lord of the Rings. That would not have worked. It, it, would have, it would have been awful. Use. It would have been awful. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Let's not talk about what could have been. Let's talk about yeah, what yeah. was. What could have been. All right, so eventually goes to um, New Line, and I can't remember who it was, but New Line said it's a... Ah, oh, Robert Shear. He said it's going to be a trilogy. He's the one who said it's going to be a trilogy, which I suppose granted Peter Jackson's wishes, and off he went with his Wheater. Wheater. Wheater? Yeah. Digital Wheater w is a workshop? very, very large Wheater. and unpleasant looking, but apparently completely harmless insect that lives in New Zealand. <laughs> Alright. Never knew that. Go Google a wetter. They're um it's, it's okay. kind of like a like a rather spiky looking grasshopper, but gigantic. And with, with and with big like right. but was, um big mandibles uh, at the front. Had it been in Australia, it would have killed people. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But because it's New Zealand, it, they can be. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most dangerous animals in New Zealand are the sheep. So, where did you first see it, Mark? At the at cinema. cinema. Yeah. Day one. Day one. Day one. Um, I mean, I was still quite. When in 2001, I was. Fifteen, um, so uh, yeah, but we were going to be going day one anyway because my parents were Tolkien obsessive. So yeah. yeah, of course, day one, and we went back uh, like two or three times afterwards to see it again. Yeah, same here. What did your parents think of it? Did they love it? 
They loved it. They loved it. They're, they're, they're my, my, some of my parents' favorite yeah. films. Uh, that, that trilogy. Um, for for a good long time, the soundtrack to the Fellowship of the Ring was the <laughs> only CD in my mum's car. <laughs> it was the only thing she would listen to. Is the soundtrack to that? Like there's certain films she, she's got. She's obsessed with the soundtrack to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and she's obsessed with the soundtrack to The Last of the Mohicans. No, that's a good one. For some reason, it's a good one. It's, it's a good one, and it's not a bad film either. But yeah. Um, yeah, they loved it. Um, I think my sister was probably slightly too young to appreciate it. Um, she's come to appreciate it more um, later. But uh, yeah, I, I was absolutely blown away the first time I've seen it. And every su- subsequent time I've seen it since then. I finished watching it about an hour ago uh. for the X number of times. I've watched it again today, the extended edition, just to make sure it was completely fresh in my mind. Yeah. I finished watching um, it yesterday, so it's or yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, and I still notice new things every time I watch it. Yeah, still notice new things and yeah, take everything in. And Nick, yeah, for sure, you first watched it. Well, what, what kept what anyway, Nick? Hello. What kept stopping you from finishing watching at least the first film? On what point? What stops me from you, finishing yeah, watching it? Time. Did you wait um, until the home release to watch it, or did you go to the cinema? No, I saw it in the cinema. But so you must have seen it all the way through. Uh, yeah, probably. But well, I, well, yeah, I, mu- I must have done. Remember. Yeah, you couldn't remember anything past the Council of Elrond. <laughs> like, no, genuinely, it's it's a really no. I do because I remember Sean being dying. Right. And him going over the waterfall in the boat. But you somehow and forgot all of the crazy shit that happens <laughs> in between those two bits. Yeah, okay. like genuinely, um, completely. I re- when I was watching it through, I remembered bits of the mines. Right. Um, but other than that... You completely forgot Fly You Fools and You Shall Not Pass. Well, I knew that because of the gif, though. I knew that and You Shall Not Pass. It. Like, I know the gif <laughs> the memes. <laughs> You know, from the memes. <laughs> I know them from the memes. Um, but other than that, yeah, like, nah. Fair, fair. Yeah, it's 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 like I've almost blanked the second half of the movie from my memory, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. And now is it in your memory? Can you remember what happened? Uh, mostly, yeah. Some of it, little bit, because we watched the extended, which I think was maybe a bad choice for me personally just because I think the extended there's a lot of filler that's just there for the fans just I think I read an interview with Peter Jackson afterwards where he said uh, when they were filming it was basically now or never to get these moments kind of enshrined for the fans so that's why he wanted to do the extended editions with as much as they could cram into it Mm. done Mm. because he couldn't see another opportunity for anyone to ever do it again um yeah, so I think there's a lot of stuff that, like, editing and pacing and flow weren't great in the extended edition for some parts. Um, yeah, I guess that that's why they're yeah. not the cinematic edition. It's just... that's what, Yeah, exactly, they were yeah. They literally I'm, just I, released as, like, if you want more, yeah. here's, here's, you know, 40 yeah, minutes more. and I completely, I'm completely on board yeah. with that. I'm sort of saying, I think, for me, first time actually sitting down to try and watch mm-hmm. them, Cinematic edition would probably be mm. the, would have been the best for yep. me, but having said that, good film, not bad. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, man. Um, yeah. I have to say, though, like, I've watched the the first hour of the film, which is mainly the stuff in Hobbiton until the elves come into it, basically. Um, I've watched the cinematic edition of that quite a few times, and I've fallen asleep when the council bit happens. Yes. Um, and I have to say, the bits they added into the first half of that, like, you get a lot more of the Hobbiton and the setting up for the birthday party and stuff like that. Um they were g- quite nice additions, but I think that's because I-, I was already familiar with what was happening. I already kind of knew the story up to that point, so I enjoyed the extra bits they added in there. It's a bit. And you get a bit of like Bilbo writing his book and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bit. Um, it's a bit of a weird one in terms of the structure because it's part one of a trilogy of books, and it doesn't end at the same the exact same point as the first book ends. No. Um, but the film doesn't follow like your traditional three act structure where like the end of act two the character's at their lowest point and then act three is the redemption or whatever it's like the end of the film or the end of act two is the the low point of the film Uh, the character's at their lowest point when Gandalf dies and then there's a bit of a lull and then they're at a low point again and then the film ends Um, and the, the council of Elrond in the middle uh, if you're not into all that stuff, the the lore and everything, I I can because I, 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 I knew a few people who um, went to go and see people at my uh, like my age, my contemporaries at school who went to go and see it when it first came out and found sections of it incredibly boring, and then they got to the end and they didn't understand why the film just ended. Mm. They didn't know that yeah. it was like part one of a trilogy or anything like that. But like, um, well, it didn't even like I marketing can see why. The marketing Sorry? of the film didn't have, like, Lord of the Rings Part 1. It's just Lord of the Rings, no. The Fellowship of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. So if you yeah. went in completely blind, you'd be like, that was a weird ending. Yeah. 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 Um, it from, I agree. But rooms, then um, the first Harry Potter film wasn't called Harry Potter 1. It or, wasn't, but that has an ending. Or part 1. The, the school year ends and he goes back home. True, but I, I guess... Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> they all get on the Hogwarts Express and Hagrid goes, oh, you've always got a home here, Harry. Oh. Oh, don't okay. tell me we're going to have to do a series of podcasts where we go. <laughs> no. Mark, you've never Harry seen Potter Harry Potter. <laughs> no. Here's eight yeah, episodes I there. You, you I saw... <laughs> I got dragged to the cinema to see one of them. It was like the fourth or the fifth one. Which one was um, it? By the girl I was seeing at the time. She she dragged me there. She conned me into going because she told me that Gary Oldman was in it and then Gary Oldman's character died and I was Five. super bummed out. Yeah, sure. Great. Good film. That was actually one of the good um, films. In fairness. Okay. We're, here, we're not talking about Harry Potter. Um, oh, God. Andy, get a wrap on Get, get a grip on this. Right. Where, are we, where are we going? All right, we're going. Right. Let's talk through the film. All right. Um, for a 20-year-old film, we, there will be spoilers as we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, because comics 20 years old. And Really, it's so embedded into culture, modern day culture now. You really pick up certain things as even without even watching them, you know. So let's start at the beginning, okay? So it starts off with um, basically um, Galadriel whispering, doesn't it? Yeah, 
it straight away throws you into the history. Yeah, it that's a really, sort of really good you, intro. Sort of gives you a little. It is. It's a fantastic. It tells you the whole story yeah. without feeling like you're just being fed it because you've got the visuals, you've got the talk, like you are literally being told the story, but yeah. it doesn't feel like you're being told the story. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Here's some of the major yeah. players from history. Here's the big bad guy. Here's the magical MacGuffin. It does a very good here's job as well as like condensing ago. massive load yeah. of lore from thousands of years into what five minutes, and it instantly yep. puts you there you know what's going on you know where you are and it has the feeling of something epic well but yeah versus it, it does let you like i said feel that epic feeling straight away you're sweeping across this battlefield you've got lines of orcs you've got lines of elves the last alliance we call it and you know and then all of a sudden you see sauron appear in his armour, imposing the camera view is from Sauron initially, and they look, all these men are looking up for him, and literally it's something like what you'd say, probably a superhero thing, where it's just he's just knocking men left, right, and centre, nothing can stop him until the ring is cut from his finger, and then he does a massive explosion, and all the armies of the Last Alliance are knocked down. And then... Um, it sort of goes. This is the Lord of the Rings. Um, and it introduces you, like say, to Elrond. Uh, you see Elrond there, um, Isildur, and it, it's important that it starts off like this because it keeps coming back to it, um, particularly in the first film, back to that history point, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think it also you plays know, an important part in uh, teaching you that the ring can influence humans yeah it corrupts yeah corrupt mm. yeah um yeah, yeah. because that's obviously a major part of um obviously gandalf not wanting to take the ring and Although he's frodo's not he's not no. but neither is frodo and frodo gets influenced by the ring yeah it, it has influence over everyone but it's 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 heavily implied that like men humans are the weakest which is why the ring wraiths are the ones yeah that, uh, but you can like they're the ones that like a proper proper gone but you yeah. can see why the gandalf given rings uh, like the, you kind of yeah. the dwarves Sorry, didn't turn into ring wraiths and the, like so Celebrimbor. or i'm getting into the law now um <laughs> <laughs> Celebrimbor the elf made these they made the nine rings for um uh, the men doomed to die Mate. How many for the dwarves? How many for the elves? But it was the only the men that were corrupted and became the ring rays because men are weak. Yeah, we are. Um, but you can kind of it does a good job in teaching you why, like you thrown in and like Gandalf the Great and all this, uh, and you it kind of shows why he's so Did you scared call of the, the ring. Great? Isn't that what it's called? No, like Gandalf the Grey, <laughs> but I, I like Grey. Gandalf the Great. Gandalf the Great. Yeah, they're all, they're all, all the wizards have got. Um, there's Radagast the Brown, Saruman the White. Yeah, I know about Radagast. Um, He's uh, Doctor Who, isn't he? Yeah, who was the blue wizard? There's two of them. Oh, anyway, anyway, whatever they're called, um, you can see why he's so scared of the ring. Um, I have some questions. I have some questions, well, but yeah, I'll save them until the end. I'll make a okay. list. Alright, and then. So it sort of leads on, and it sort of leads into The Hobbit a bit, because we've got Ian Home as Bilbo Baggins, 
Funnily enough, Ian Holm wasn't he Bilbo Baggett Frodo in the BBC radio? Ian Holm, uh, yeah, Ian Holm lines. plays Frodo Bilbo. in the yeah. radio dramatisation uh, and plays Bilbo yeah. in the yes. the films, yeah. I like that Film. little touch. Yeah, it was a nice little touch. Um, eventually it's found by Gollum. Um, it sort of just follows Gollum a bit. Um, takes how Bilbo finds a ring. And then I, I like just a quick to, moment on uh, Gollum because he doesn't really pop up in this film much. He's kind of trailing them. No. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, so you, you, you see like so, a little glimpse of him when he first like when in him in the cave where he's found the ring and everything and there's the like you see his fingers when he's being tortured and you see his like you see his eyes at a certain point when they're in Moria, but it's quite. Uh, it's quite clear that sure that like they'd got the voice and everything, and Andy Circus was there to do the voice and do the motion capture and everything. But it it feels like in that first film because they made them, they didn't just put them out back to back to back. They made them back to back to back, and they hadn't mm. quite nailed down the design of Gollum in the Fellowship of the Ring. And so the brief mm. glimpses of him that you do see, a di- he looks different to how he does in the subsequent films. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, probably the processing computer graphics will have changed. Yeah, within a year, would you have thought? I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, We will come on to the the special effects at some point, I'm sure. I have thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So, eventually, talks with a history, um, and we go into the Shire. So it's quite a not a severe change. You go from the history of battle and the ring, and you come to this beautiful green, really bright green land called the Shire. And the voiceover is now Bilbo, especially the ex- this, so we're talking about the extended. The voiceover is Bilbo talking about hobbits and what they get up to and how they live and the, how they are one with the land and how basically they love eating, drinking, smoking. And it's a direct um, extract from the Red Book of Westmarch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it starts off back again. Yeah. Or the Hobbit. Yeah. Or the Hobbit. <laughs> and then it sort of just leads um, him showing him writing the book, which is a really nice touch. So how mm. Peter Jackson... Because, yeah, how do you sort of introduce things? You know, it's almost like... You have to show the history of the ring. You have to show who hobbits are because they're really important to the story. And you have to show that really hobbits are like a race of positivity, relaxation, who don't really get involved in the wider I would, world. Well, they're incredibly the suspicious ho- of people from the outside world. As and well. themselves. You see yeah. that when, when Gandalf's like rolling through town and there's like... Yeah. The kids love him, but the grown-ups don't. Apart from that one grown-up. Yeah, especially for a woman. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, he smiled briefly when the kids were laughing, but then he just started well, No, it's because his wife scowled at him. Oh. <laughs> so he scowled. Because yeah. his wife did. I thought that was like a yeah. joke. I would very much like to be a hobbit. Just going to put it out there. Good life. Eating, drinking, <laughs> smoking. Well, maybe not smoking, but eating and drinking. I could do that. Yeah, and then just farming yeah. the land a bit, you know, and just enjoying life. And those hobbits that that do leave the Shire 
and there have been a few over the years. Um, are seen as strange um, amongst the folk, you know, especially Baggins. Um, there is another reference to the Hobbit as well, you know, because um, Gandalf mentions that incident with the dragon. So the little bits of history. History is really important, and I think that's what adds a layer of depth into this film. I think that's probably part of the reason why it's such a success um, because it adds depth to it. The characters are really deep and will come across those, but every little bit is, has history behind it. There's always some. There's always a reason for things happening. There's always we've seen the start of history. We've seen the hobbits. And little things like that just add little things that, you know, we're just seeing a snippet of life in Middle-earth at the moment. And it lets you know that life has happened before and eventually will continue after the, after the Lord of the Rings. And that's one of the things I really focused on when I was on my recent watch, how much history goes on in, in this bit. And it's not... Some films do it really bad. And in some films, this is just like little subtle hints, you know, a line here, a line there, or they'll do a little flashback. But it just adds extra depth. Extra well, they do a really, really good job of like, showing, like, here, these are the these are the hobbits. This is the Hobbiton and the Shire where they live. Yeah. This is their very distinct sort of cultural identity. It's it's very. Uh, I don't know, um, early uh, rural, very rural England, very little England I guess you could say Um, they don't have much contact with the outside world so they don't really have don't really know much about what's what's the outside world and and the stories of the outside world, elves and things like that are like um, sort of mysterious to the, the characters that live there who are interested in that stuff but they're also kind of distrustful of strangers and people from outside. It's like a little bubble apart from the rest of the world, not involved in like <clears throat> all the drama, all the wars, all the adventures and whatnot. And then suddenly, you know, they realize that what the characters realize that the, the most important thing, the most powerful thing in this entire world is living in their house. In the middle of Hobbiton, but there's hints as well that the outside world are influencing because when we're in the pub, you see the old hobbits talking about the dwarves appearing, the elves walking past, the strange things going on around. So they're they're aware of things happening, <laughs> which is starting to affect, you know, affect. But like I said, um, they're not aware of the ring being there. So, the whole film starts off with um, Bilbo's 111th birthday in the Shire, which makes him... He's 111. Yeah, which makes him one of the oldest... No, 111, sorry. He's 111. Yeah, so it starts off with his big birthday, and it shows Gandalf meeting him as an old friend. Um, Bilbo feels old. He does feel it now. It seems... And Jackson is starting off to hint that this is the ring. The, the ring is wearing him down. Because the hint is that um, as Sauron increases his influence in Middle Earth and came to Mordor, the ring grew in power and influence as well. It's uh, there's a line in the books 
um, and in the radio play that, that always stuck with me, but it's, I don't think it's in the film. I should know, but um, I, I don't think it's in the film. Um, where Frodo's talking to Bill uh, to, to um, Gandalf mm. about Bilbo's state, and he said that Bilbo told him that he feels stretched like butter yes. that has been spread over too much bread. Yeah. 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 So it's like you you understand that a little bit more later on when you when you learn to learn a little bit more of the history of of uh, um, Gollum. Yeah. Smeagol. Um but how the the ring has the ability to extend life but not in a particularly pleasant way. Yeah. Yeah. It almost hints it's hints it's saying that Bilbo should have died years ago but it's been prolonged by the ring. Yeah. As such. And he has a plan for his birthday. He plans to basically disappear and go off and leave Hobbiton, leave everything to Frodo. Mm-hmm. Um, and go elsewhere because he's basically had enough of it. Um, we see a chat between Bilbo and Gandalf. You know, Bilbo, Gandalf shows his concern, you know. He's, and it's certain words as well, once again, Bilbo calling the ring precious, which raises Gandalf's suspicions. You know, because he knew, he knows this ring's been called Precious by Gollum um, before. Um, and there's, there's that scene, isn't there, of a party um, with all the fireworks disappearing, was introduced to Merry and Pippin. Um, the. What did you call them, Nick? Call what, sorry? Merry and Pippin. What did you say they are? Own up. What? Oh, um. Shit, what did I call them? Think back to episode one of Star Wars. Uh, oh, yeah, they're the Jar Jar Binks of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they're like the comic relief that glues it all together. Perfect. The problem, the, the 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 only difference is that uh, they actually do something in the film. They have a, they have an yeah. actual arc. They have an important role to play. Uh, whereas which we'll see when you watch not. the rest of the films. Yeah, I very much think that Jar Jar Binks getting his my hung my hung. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I got nothing on that. But in, in the first film, anyway, they are just comic relief. To, is the way that I viewed it. Essentially, yeah. The the the, the, yeah. the the story needs it. Yeah. And the films definitely need it. There's not a lot of humour in the in the film outside of no. Merry and Pippin, um, at least in the first one. No, no. Outside of the Hobbits, I mean, the Hobbits do try to lighten things up you know, in the book as well. But yeah, you do need it. I mean, with the set fire off the large firework, the dragon um, comes down. Um, you get Bilbo's speech, and he disappears, and everyone's a bit shocked mm-hmm. um, by this. Um, we go to Bag End, where Bilbo lives, and he's given to giving it to Frodo, and you get the scene of the power of a ring. The ring doesn't... It's almost like the ring chooses to leave a person when it senses that time has come up that it can take advantage and move closer to its master, Sauron. It's almost like 
it doesn't want to leave Bilbo. It, ab- it abandons people. Yeah. Like well, it doesn't even abandon them, does it? It, it, uh, it literally turns against yeah, them. So it that's what I mean. Say, like, it betrayed it, Isildur. Yeah, yeah it, it abandoned Isildur. Um, yeah. It abandoned Gollum. Gollum. Um, yeah. But um, Bilbo has the strength of character to let it go. Yeah. Of his own free will. Just. Yeah. Just about. Just. With the help of Gandalf. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And you saw, and also, is it, you see what you see... Is, is where you get sort of like the sense of um, Gandalf's power. Oh, like, when in the I'm not trying to rob you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When like the there's the, the 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 shift in the perspective of the camera and it looks like he grows yeah. and the shadows really going cool. across the ceiling and his voice becomes like. Do huge not blame me for a conjurer of cheap tricks. It's such a yeah. good scene. It's <laughs> such. It's very, very simple visual effects. It's not even visual effects. It's just changing, uh, changing the camera the, work, the, isn't it's it? Just camera work and lighting, and then some mm. sound. Um, just, just some effects of the sound, and it, it, it works so well. Yeah, and it sort of lets you to think that Gandalf's a very subtle use of power. You know, he's not one for dramatics and all that. All right, you got the fireworks. Which he, he loves doing all that, but when his his power is very subtle, mm-hmm. it's like using it all the time. Um, but he needs to use it to help um, Bilbo to convince him to leave the ring. He's and trying to help his friend. Yeah, help his friend. It goes in an envelope, and Gandalf reaches down and gets a flash of the eye. Um, so the eye, the eye of Sauron, um, is a representative throughout the film of Sauron, um, who is formless now, is a spirit. Um, so over two and a half thousand years ago, because he lost the ring, he became a spirit, um, a formless spirit, and he goes. Eventually, he ends up in Mordor, the land of shadow and Barad-dûr. Um, becomes and is the eye of Sauron, and always seeking the ring. And um, Gandalf gets this flash of the eye when he reaches down to pick up the ring, or try to. And this just raises suspicions in Gandalf. And he must be aware of because suspicions probably wouldn't be raised if things weren't going on in Middle Earth around this time about. F- Around in Mordor and everywhere, that there is trouble abroad. Tries is that flash? Is that yeah. flash of the eye? So is, this, is yeah. that flash when the story he does not know what the ring is? He has. Yeah, I was about no. to say, is that when he realizes he what has the ring some might suspicions, be? Suspicions uh, based on the story. Yeah. The, the story of where he found it, uh, of how Bilbo came. And to I it. suppose when he sees Bilbo disappear when he puts the ring on at his birthday party. The story of how Bilbo came by it. Bilbo changes over time as the ring starts to take hold on him um, mm. and so on uh, but yeah he starts to he starts to become suspicious and that's when he goes off to he goes to the library to do some research Badass. He, goes, he goes all the way to um, Gondor yeah, and, and, and hits up the Gondor public library yeah it does minus Tirith and this is where you see and you do Howard Shaw throws in a bit of uh, Gondor yes, music just a little bit. as his um just a little hint of future um, episodes. They don't really mention who which city it is. 
um, all it's mentioned is that uh, all of that scene is that is reading yeah. the library. Those who know, know. Yes, yeah. um, those who don't, it's yeah. not important yet. No. But it's mm-hmm. just a subtle hint. Yeah. So, of minus Tiriff to come. And he does a lot of research, reads about Isildur and how he feels about the ring and how he feels stretched. And then isn't, it, isn't Isildur describe it as precious as well? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the revelation about, like, the writing around the ring that is revealed if you put it in fire. Yeah. Um, Mm. And that's when he rushes back to Hobbiton. Yeah, so... Okay, question, question. Sure. This place he went to read books... Minas Tirith. It's kind of inferred, like, like how far away is that? Well, you know, it's it's the big city Ugh. that they get to at the end of, um, uh, at the end of, um, it's <clears throat> mile. uh, the third film. It's 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 the it's a long way away. It's a it's and a good he, long, he long goes way there away. on horseback. He goes there on horseback. Yes. So, because to to me, it seems that he goes there on horseback. He reads mm-hmm. upon this ring. He comes back on horseback, and Frodo's just getting him from the from the same night. No, no, is it's, he not? It's, it's not really no. explained in the film. The, the, the passage of time it comes yeah. in the book and in the the radio play. It's, it's more. It's quite a long time. It's like several years. Oh shit! Between um, the party and yeah. Gandalf returning and saying, "This shit needs destroying." See, t- the film to me feels like that Like that all happens in the space of one night, which is what where my question was. Is like, he goes on horse and then he comes back in the same night. Yeah, it, it, that's a bit weird. It doesn't... No. I, I guess it didn't really feel... The, the, the filmmakers didn't feel like they needed to state how long has passed. But yeah, it's it, in the books, it's it's several it's several yeah, years. It's years. Fair enough. Like he goes away... Continue. ...to do yeah. wizarding business and find yeah. out about the history. And it's implied that it takes a Keeps- long time. Yeah. That's why Frodo it has to like dig back. around in his trunk to find the ring. Because yes. right. he just puts it away, just forgets about it. Yeah. He keep, yeah. yeah. He's coming back and visiting. Mm. So it's not just in the book, but he does visit every so often, every few couple, two, three, four years. Yeah. He does keep coming back and visiting. Um, according to Google, the how far is from Bob- Hobbiton to Minas Tirith? 1,625 miles. Hmm. I don't know if we've worked that out. They don't have Concords in uh, Middle Earth, do they? Okay, so the the period of time so between uh, Bilbo's departure and then Gandalf's conversation with Frodo and him leaving is 17 years. Oh, yeah. shit. But um, Fair hobbits enough. live a long time, and so they don't really... You don't really see yeah. them age much in that time. They're still quite young. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think it's I can't remember if it's in the appendices of the Lord of the Rings. It's about this time that um, him, Gandalf, and Aragorn track down Gollum. They actually get Gollum, and they give him to the Wood Elves um, to keep um, prisoner. And that's when he escapes from Wood Elves. So once that's seventeen years, Gandalf's doing a lot of research. He's he's captured by Aragorn, isn't he? Does a lot of things originally. 
He's captured by Aragorn. Yeah. But they both track him. They're, they're both they're both try to track him, and he's captured by Aragorn, mm. and they do question him because Gollum at this point looking for his precious around looking yeah. for Bilbo. Yeah, but never tried finding it. Um, so yeah, Gandalf returns. So yeah, all this research bit, you know, it's, it's how do you? It's really cleverly done. How do you shorten down seventeen years? Well, you nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's how they show it. Diary. It's not really. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard to to say how would be a better way of portraying it in a film, uh, unless unless you literally have text on the screen that says 17 years later and Bilbo turns over and says like, I've been to the library <laughs> I had a read up on, on, on rings I think your one's a bit fucked um, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard yeah. to, to do but but also that sort of time period I guess is like the, the, the fact that there is a length of, a lengthy amount of time that happens between the two things is known to people familiar with the story those are not it doesn't really matter you don't really need to know no. how long things take, you need to and know. also how long people live, uh, and so because it's not that important to the story. Yeah. No, it's additional things. What you know, background for the book, but in terms of this film, even though the extended cat put a montage of Gandalf wandering from place to place, doing a lot of research, looking where Isildur died, and so on and so on. And tracking down every ring from throughout Middle Earth, but this is what we're focused on. Um, so Gandalf returns to Hobbiton and Amishaya, and comes. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Frodo comes from the pub basically. So we've been at the pub with Sam, had a few drinks. Um, he comes in, senses something's wrong, not quite right. And, and at, at this point, we already know that the, says, the the Nazgul are on their way. They've been pointed in the direction of of uh, Hobbiton. Yes, yes, because at that point, it's it is said in the text um, of the film that um, Gollum was captured and revealed two words: Bilbo Shire. Mm-hmm. So the men. Baggins. I'm going to say it's Shire Baggins. It's, it's Baggins. Baggins Shire. Shire and Baggins. Yeah. Yes, I'll get. I'll hand in my card. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a strike yeah. against it or something. Um, yeah. So he's the nine men who were cor- who have who were given the rings of power by Sauron. Originally, were corrupted and eventually turned into the Nazgul. And there's a massive long history of the Nazgul and its. It's really quite interesting, actually. Um, it's one of those interesting background stories. You know, if you read to Philip, because it's it really does take in all of Middle Earth, and not in particular the North. Um, so the Nazgul are set loose um, and cross the um, River Eisen um, and go to find the Shire and Baggins and the Ring. A Sauron spot two and two together that the ring that Gollum found was his ring of power. Yep. Um, but Gandalf is still hoping, I think, that 
this isn't Marine because I think I tell you what I think um, what's it called? Where's it? Gan- Gandalf. Ian um, McKellen. Stop. Ian McKellen is mm-hmm. absolutely yep. amazing in this. Agreed. You know his acting, his subtle acting, his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know this feeling of throughout disappointment when he hears that there is writing on the ring when the mm-hmm. ring's thrown into the fire. Because at first it's like it's like oh thank God, and then all of a sudden it goes well oh, wait, and he goes oh well, wait there's there's some writing coming on on it, and he's just eyes oh, just go ugh yeah fuck gosh it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, the writing appears on the ring. Um, and he um, uh, recall, recounts the, 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 I guess he called it a poem. The one ring to rule them yeah. all, run ring to find them. Right. One ring to yeah. rule them all and in the darkness rule bind them all, them all. And in the darkness bind them. them. Yeah, and talks about the yeah. history of the rings and to the elves, seven to the dwarves, nine to the men, and one ring to mortal men doomed to yeah. die. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's done in them. And also, you reveal that it's done in um, a new, a different language, um, which he will mutter the black, the speech, black of speech of Mordor. Yeah. Um, Although he does later. He does the, well, I know he won't do it. He won't do it in the Hobbit hole, but he'll do it in. Um, Rivendell. <laughs> He'll do it in Elrond's house. <laughs> what a prick. Like, you know, he did it for dramatic effect later. Anyway. Um, so basically this is the Yeah, and then the there's the and then he's like, right, you've got to go, you've got to you've got to take the ring um uh and destroy it. Uh go to Bree. Go yeah. go go hang out at Bree, I'll meet you at Bree and then we'll we'll post, we'll go we'll go see my mate Elrond. I want to know what to yeah. do. And then there's that lovely scene where, like, he hears something outside, and hmm. then he leans out the window and bonks Sam on the head with his stick and drags him through the window because he's been <laughs> eavesdropping outside. And like, um, he yeah, said he was just pruning the daisies or something, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, in the pitch black. <laughs> Excellent. Um, in the books, there's like there's a very good line uh, where he says like uh, you were eavesdropping, and Sam says something about the but, but there aren't any eaves on this house. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 Sam, what's his name? Sam Austin, Sean Austin, Sean, Sean Austin. That's his name. Yeah, right? Sean, Sean Austin. Austin. Um, he's not really been in from the Goonies. Uh, yeah, the Goonies. Yeah, he's not really been in a lot of stuff, but. Uh, I really like him in this film. Um, I like I like all of the cast, uh, but I th- I thought he was a very good Sam. Yeah. Incidentally, in the yeah. radio play, yeah, easy, he's pl- Sam is played. Not that you would recognise his voice. Uh, Sam is played by Bill Nye. Oh right. Yeah, oh. although uh, as, as he's credited back then as William Nye. Um, oh. Bit, obviously, quite a bit younger back in the 1980, 1981, Ooh. whenever they recorded it. Um, but he's uh, they're all, all of the they them uh, all those uh, characters, but specifically him, do that sort of West Country accent. Um, that I yeah. think the um, the I'm I'm almost certain that all the cast members were 
uh, had to listen to the old radio dramatization before they made the film because there's a lot of crossover in uh, accents with characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once again, we have this time period of t- thing of time where it seems almost on the same night. Like you gotta go, you gotta go to Bree, Bree off you go. Um, but in the book, it's um, summer, and Frodo doesn't really set off until September. Um, a couple few months waiting for Gandalf um, to come back because Gandalf takes off after this um, to go down to Isengard um, but in the film it's like right you two off you go straight away you need to get out of here and straight away as well because it sort of flips over to um, I don't even know it flips over to a hobbit in the evening, and a black rider coming up and asking about the Shire and Baggins, and he sent the man, the Hobbit sends him to um, where the Shire is, basically, and the black rider goes down. And you see yeah. the, in the direction of Hobbiton. Hobbiton, and you see the horse itself. It's um, almost isn't like a horse. It's almost like an undead horse. That's um, Carrying the Black Rider um, itself, I suppose, um, as it's shown later in the film, that living creatures are repulsed by the Nazgul, it seems. Yeah, as you see later on, um, after the characters leave to go on their journey and they're, they're wandering through the woods. Yeah. Uh, after they've bumped into Merry and Pippin, who were out stealing Farmer vegetables McGraw. from... Um, <laughs> Maggot. maggot. Uh, Farmer Maggot. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I uh, was kind of, it's kind of a shame. I mean, obviously, there's so much stuff that you could put in there. The films would have been completely unwieldy, but it's kind of a shame that they don't have Farmer Maggot in there. I was purely watching some random YouTube Lord of the Rings lore video, but doesn't he, isn't he inferred to have like quite an important role in some of the lore? Farmer Maggot. Farmer Maggot. Yeah. Yeah. Farmer Maggot. Not sure. Around Tom Bombadil. He knows Tom Bombadil. Oh, yeah. Yes, but anyone who knows Tom yeah. Bombadil is kind of important. Uh, Tom Bombadil is a strange character, and I I, I yeah. perfectly understand He's, why they didn't. I would have liked to see it, though. Because it's also a very difficult character to to make yeah, work. It's on almost the very fairy, magical, very magical side of Middle-earth. Which... I mean, the Russians did it. Just saying. Have you seen it? I trip, wa- yeah, yeah, I watched the Tom Bombadil scene just because it was a bit of a trip. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I need to watch it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Farmer Maggot in, has a bit of history because he's a one where Frodo used to nick. Oh, because there's a point we forgot. Bilbo adopted Frodo. Uh, it's not his son or as such. It's um, he's an adop- he adopted Frodo. Um, and Frodo used to nick vegetables with uh, Merry and Pippin um, when they were younger from his farm. And in the book, um, they meet Tom Bombadil who helps them. You've got more adventures with the White. Then you've got um, Bombadil taking to a basically taking to Farmer Maggot's farm, and you've got Farmer Maggot. Um, giving him a meal and taking him to the 
Buckleberry Ferry on a horse and cart. Whereas for difference, mm-hmm. yeah, he feeds them bacon and <laughs> mushrooms, and then gives them a and gives them a, a little ride on there. A lot more stuff happens in the uh, in the book. He he sells yeah. Bag End and yeah. moves to another house, and then and then on the day that he's moved yeah. in, decides to leave, and then. There's the whole stuff with Farmer Maggot, and then they're out on on his cart on the way to the Buckleberry Ferry and run into Merry and or Pippin, um, and then they all go to the Buckleberry Ferry and there's no chase with the Ringwoods yeah. at all. It's all very different in the book. So there are some changes that were made to make it more dramatic, yeah. and it absolutely works. Like when I was a kid, listening to the the radio dramatization, the thing that I like that scared the shit out of me Ooh. when I was a kid was the Ringwraiths. Uh, and you couldn't obviously the radio plays. You can't you can't see him. All they all they had was like to play with was, you know, um, filters on voices and some weird sound effects and stuff like that. But it's just the idea of them scared the shit out of me. And they did such an amazing job of making them just so creepy and threatening in the film. Uh, that scene. Where they, where they where they first oh. encounter one and they get off the road and it's like leaning over the tree trunks and sniffing yeah. and all the insects are, trying, are fleeing from it um, it's an oh, iconic it's so scene. good yeah and the sounds that it's they almost, make when you, when you watch a film it almost yeah. just appears you know for other concerns something's coming something's not quite right and when you see it coming if you watch where the tree is there's a gap where you should be able to see the other hand it sort of comes just appears and they're hiding, and it, it it senses the ring, you know. It senses the ring, and it's waiting for it's waiting for Frodo to actually put it on. And that scene's in the book, but from then on, it's just a mad rush through the night, isn't it, for the hobbits? You know, to I mean, is it? Yeah. Who suggests is it? I think it's Merry that suggests to Buckleberry. Suggests getting to the yeah. They they need. To, he yeah. says he needs to get to Bree. It needs to get out of Hobbiton, uh, of the Shire, and so you know, yeah. they go to the Buckleberry Ferry. Manage to just get across the river, um, as the as the riders catching up, and then as he rides off, they they spot yeah. another three or four yeah. behind him. But um, I, I I do love us that montage because the first part of the journey is just them relaxing, and you know walking through fields, very relaxed, very nice, very we're not really. We've listened to Gandalf, but we're not really mm. heeding. We also don't really feel about heeding his warning as such. Um, and then at one point, Sam goes, "This is the furthest I've ever let, ever been," and he, it's almost a big step for sh- for Sam. Just a very quick side note: uh, there is a video uh, edit of Lord of the Rings on YouTube, where from that scene where Sam says, uh, "One more step, and it'll be the furthest I've ever been from yeah. home." Uh, every subsequent step he takes in the film, they replay that scene. It's oh, nine God. hours long. <laughs> 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 so every time he takes a step further away from from, Incredible. Uh, uh, from the, the Shire, Shire, it plays that little <clears throat> snippet of that scene uh, again. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, oh, wow. So I guess we we need to we might have to skip or start moving along a, a, a 
a quicker clip. A bit of fastest. But I wouldn't yeah. think what to say about we're the an Black hour in and we haven't even got to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can do the Nick. We can do the Nick uh, shortcut. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. No. Um, so they get to some inn, and they have pints there. So they have pints. <laughs> yeah. And they notice some creepy dude watching them, and that turns out to be—is that Aragorn? It is. But yeah. we call him Strider. They call Strider. him Strider. Uh, call on him account Strider. of the long shanks he goes about on, um, which is Ooh. what they say in the book, but not in the film. And I don't know why that line's not in there, but there you go. <laughs> um, they call him Strider because he's got long shanks. Um, yeah, uh, and then the the whole how Frodo ends up accidentally putting the ring on is different in the. Uh, in the books Book. of the film again, but uh, it, it makes it because it's not really important how that happens. It's just an accident, and it happens, and that that's what alerts the, the ring wraiths. The, the ring wraiths to there, but also um, it's implied, well, said outright by Strider in the books that that there are some unpleasant characters in the bar, yeah. uh, in the pub at Bree, and uh, one of them slipped out after after um, Frodo's accident. Uh, and it's yeah. implied that he passed on the information to whoever, and yeah. eventually gets gets back to the ring raids, and they. That's when this they sounds like a D and D campaign now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so the gatekeeper's meant to be one of them. Um, in the film, he gets killed, crushed by the um, raves barging in. But like you said, there's a couple of. Is it Belfardy yeah. or something? I can't. Bill Farney, yeah, Bill Bill Farney, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Farney is considered an un, well, unscrupulous man, and mm-hmm. it's him and the gatekeeper, I think, who sell the information about the hobbits and or give it, pass it on to the ring riffs. Uh, this is also the scene where Peter Jackson makes his cameo. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. In this film, yeah, um, he makes one in every film. Mm. Yeah, and one in Hot Fuzz, eating a carrot. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So then they they hid across the road, then aren't they? Yes, asleep. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've kind of put decoys in their room of just like pillows, and they're across the road watching. In the um, in the their books, pillow corpses get the, mutilated. Uh, uh, that's the um, uh, what's his name? I, I I can't remember the the guy's name. The, the landlord mm. of the pub in Bree. Barleyman. Barleyman. Barleyman Butterworth, yeah. Um, yeah, and and they have a they have a, he has a lot more dialogue, um, yeah. a lot more conversations a between the, the a much bigger character. Um, he has a letter uh, that was left From by Gandalf, Gandalf uh, that he completely forgets about and then remembers and 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 whatnot uh, because one thing drives out the other, so to speak. Um, uh, it's him that makes the like the decoys in the books. He puts like a bolster down the middle of the bed and makes like yeah. stuff some um, some hay into some sacks to be like fake heads and whatnot and and uh, yeah and, and them and the, the hobbits and Aragorn hang out the other in another establishment the other side of the road um, because the Bree uh, the, the 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 prancing pony gets gets raided by the Nazgul. Um, yeah. Which was, um, I mean, He's obviously sort of a... I, I knew what was coming, but if you didn't, the way it's shot, uh, 
it's, it's heavily it's implied good. that like, oh shit, they're in the room with the hobbits. Oh no, it's all going to go wrong. Um, it isn't until like the last second you realise that, oh no, they're not there. It takes um, the ring race, like a lot of stabbing to realise it's not them too. And I do look sort of, I think in the book, I think around this point, I think there was a dual attack. I think there was an attack on the um, house, Frodo's other house in Buckleberry. Yes. Um, there was, and then there was an attack on in Embree. It's also, I do sort of like Aragorn's description and as his expositioning, you sort of, Peter Jackson got so many wonderful shots of a Black Rider throughout the countryside. It, it, it was yeah. pretty amazing. You know, the silhouettes of them all and all, just how threatening just they were. They, they seemed to be all over the place. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, they agreed to take, uh, agreed to trust Aragorn because what, what is well, it? Well, he the... still is just Strider to them. Frustrated. A strider, but what do they say that um, someone of the enemy would? He would. He would seem seem, seem fairer, fairer and feel fouler. Yeah. Feel foul. Yeah, but strider is. They don't. They don't. They don't finish the line in there. It's. It's. Yeah. In the book, he says like if he, if he was an enemy, he would seem fairer and feel fouler. But and then yeah. strider says, "So you yeah. mean I, I." Uh, Feel foul and seem fair, or, or I can't remember what it is. And it's like, yeah, um, they don't, they don't ex- like yeah. go into the whole conversation in the in the, the film. But I appreciated them throwing that little line in, um, yeah, because they didn't need to. And and I have to say, um, once again, brilliant acting by um, Vigo um, Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, Martinson. who I was not familiar yeah. with when I first saw this film. I, I was it, quite no. a lot of his films, uh, like a history of violence and films like that, were not really suitable to be watched by a fifteen-year-old. So um, I hadn't really seen any of his cinematic work before then. Um, I've seen quite a lot of his films since then. He's mm. very good. Viggo Mortensen is a very good actor. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. brilliant in this. I mean, originally it was. Stuart Townsend originally to play Aragorn and I think it was felt even Stuart Townsend has said that he felt he was a bit too young to play Aragorn that um, it should have been soon a bit older and after a few days of filming Peter Jackson agreed Uh, no offence to Stuart Townsend he wouldn't have worked it just wouldn't have been the same No. no no so they go through um, Aragorn or Strider at this point to the Hobbits takes them through the wilderness, avoiding the roads. Yeah, rather than taking the roads because the roads will be watched. Yeah. And you get one of the things when I was watching it again is the New Zealand. New Zealand is a character, is a real thing in this film. It's, yeah. it, the it's they have honestly they have an, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to beautiful vistas yeah. and. You know, you know, New Zealand is a disgustingly beautiful country. It's it's uh, it's one of those places I do want to go visit when all this pandemic dies down and the kids grow up and stuff. But it it is just unbelievable sweeping landscapes, and as we get through the films, it's the ter- territory changes, the landscape changes. You got some it 
it's just amazing. And Peter Jackson just takes... You can tell he has lived in New Zealand and he just wants to show New Zealand off, you know, because how yeah. he sweeps across and um, across a landscape, filming the Hobbits and filming the Fellowship later on is just amazing. It, it is it yeah. is a proper... like a, I just felt it was like a proper character. Middle Earth is real. Yeah, it is. It, it has depth. It is, yeah, absolutely. Um occasionally enhanced with some some uh some cg yeah um such as so uh, yeah they 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 they, um they go through the 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 wilderness for a while uh and then they come to the watchtower of amonsul or uh what was the watchtower of amonsul on top of weathertop a big flat rock um and quite a lot of that was cg'd Mm. uh when you see it from a distance and then up close it was like you know obviously an actual set um, yeah, but this was always one of my favourite scenes, if that's the right word in the book. Um, was the 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 ring wraith's assault on Weathertop? Hmm. Um. Because Strider goes off to scout ahead or whatever, and the hobbits are on their own against fucking ring wraiths, and <laughs> there's only one way that's gonna end. <laughs> yeah. You know, Even with some weapons, <clears throat> yeah, we know it's not, not going to be a fair fight. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, they try and they fight off the 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 uh, attempt to fight off the Nazgul. Um, they get easily knocked away. Frodo backs away, puts the ring on, which is why. Why would you do that? I know he's compelled to. The ring compels him to put it on. Um, but also, he doesn't know, does he? He doesn't know. I mean, he's, well, he's no, knowledge for, uh, Gandalf terms. has told him that if he puts the ring on, then mm. the the servants of, of Sauron can see him easier. Yeah. And they're right there anyway. Uh, but it's it's I, I think it's a combination of yeah. being compelled and also the blind panic. Uh, like, he puts the ring on, yeah. and they can see him, and he can see their true form. And then... Yeah. He gets stabbed by... Um, was that the Witch King who stabs him? It is the Witch King. The Witch it King is, of Angmar. Yeah. Like the leader of the Nazgul. Ha- yeah. With he becomes a blade. Yeah, he becomes a very important character later on in the films. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he gets stabbed with the, with the Morgul blade that starts to poison him. But then Aragorn turns up with a stick... <laughs> and a sword. <laughs> well, they're scared of fire. Um, yeah, which is weird because I, I I don't know uh, why they were because they're not creatures. They're they're no. spectral beings, kind of wraiths. They're not real. S- Underneath the robes and the armor, there is nothing. Mm. Um, but I suppose yeah. a fire <clears throat> has some sort of influence for light, maybe or something. Maybe, yeah. Have an influence of, I don't know, but it's mentioned in the book as well about fire. Yeah, I, I need to. Um, I need to dig my copy out of the Tolkien Bestiary again, which is a fantastic book <laughs> uh, with some incredible artwork, and and read up on the Nazgul a bit more. Um, yeah, uh, Frodo's fucked. He's poisoned. There's a piece of the Nag- of, of the Nazgul blade lodged in his shoulder that's poisoning him, and mm. will eventually turn him into. A shade, like a weaker version of a ring wraith. Um, yeah. So they stumble on for a while. Um, 
and then uh, go get some king's foil to try and slow the poison. And while they're out gathering king's foil, wheat. Um, Aragorn gets cornered. It gets a sword put to his throat, and it's um, his on again, off again girlfriend, Liv Tyler. Um, uh, <laughs> um, oh God, her name's completely gone from my head. Help me out, Andy. Arwen. Uh, Arwen, yeah. Um, Elrond's daughter, uh, <clears throat> and she she picks up uh, Frodo, puts her uh, puts him mm. on a horse, says a few pretty words in Elvish, and then rides off to try and get him um, to uh, oh. to um, Rivendell, Rivendell before the poison completely overtakes him. Yeah. And as that, it's an it's an incredible yes. scene being chased through the woods. It's implied that the, yeah. the ride goes on for at least a day and a night. Because uh, it starts in the night yeah. and then it's fully daytime by the time she makes it to, to the ford, the fords of Brunan. Um, all the time being chased by uh, all nine ringwraiths. Um, Nazgul. Yeah, it's also done in a way that it's not just a flat out sprint, is it? No. Whether running through the trees, she's like dodging in and out and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, one point when they're, when, he, when Aragorn's taking Carrion Frodo. Yeah. They come across Bilbo's trolls from yes. Hobbit, which they do. Which they do in the book, yeah. Um, yeah, nice so little... that's another link to the past, another last one. Yeah, thing. a nice little, in the book, there would be a nice little throwback, but in the films, it's sort of, yeah, a nice little nod to those who know um, <clears throat> yeah. about the, the Hobbit. Uh, yeah, um, and then the she she gets to the other side of the fords of Brunnen and using her crazy elven magic manages to get the 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 river to rise up and I, I love the description of how it how it how it's described in the book and being able to finally see it like a wave of water mm. but the waves are like horses and they come and the yeah. river rises up and sweeps away the ring raids and their and and their steeds uh, and then Frodo yeah. starts to fade. And then we cut forward to Nick's favourite part of the film. <laughs> Rivendell. So come on then, Nick, what, what happens? Um, Frodo's <laughs> asleep in bed and he wakes up and Bilbo's there, I think. He, uh, yeah. Um, they have a bit of a reunion, which kind of makes more sense now because now I find out it's been flipping 17 years and not a couple yeah. of hours. Yeah. Which makes a lot more sense. And he suddenly <laughs> aged um, a lot more because the, the ring's no longer stretching him. I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I assumed that the aging like that fast was just because of the ring's influence, but I guess it's 17 years and the ring's yeah, influence. Yeah, a bit of both, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he gets that um, armor thing. Oh, uh, the mithril, mithril. Um, vest. The mithril he gets the mithril armor, yeah. uh, but no one else knows about that yet because that's a... like. Revealer for later, isn't it? Yeah, top secret. Top secret. That is literally, say no more, say no more. Yes. And Sting. Oh, yeah. Um, and Sting. And yeah. yeah, Sting. Yeah. Which glows blue when there's orcs around. Of the police. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then all of the hobbits has come in and say hi to him, and they're all good. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it goes to um, what's his face, Aragorn and Sean Bean. Aragorn and Boromir. 
Boromir, thank you. Boromir. Um, looking at the old relics from the last battle thing, and he, yeah. Sean Bean's bit of a dickhead like he always is. Yeah. About everything, cuts his finger on the blade. On yeah, the shards Nassil. of Narsil. Which there is we go. The, the sword that the blade, yeah, it was that a Sildur sword. Uh, no, it was a Sildur's father's sword. Um, father's sword that he picked up and uh, got like yeah. chopped. Yeah. Sauron used the, yeah. the shard, the the the, the 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 little bit left at the end to cut off uh, Sauron's finger and cut the ring from it. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, did he? In the film, yeah, it just melts. In that's the film, sword. his finger just melts away. Yeah, he. Like yeah, it's it's what, it was, what it means. It, he, in the book, it's like he used the sword to cut the ring from Sauron's finger. Um, how okay. that's shown how uh, what that exactly means specifically is kind of open to interpretation and then the that's how peter jackson decided to show it in the film was like he just cut yeah. his fingers off Ooh. yeah um so then they have this council thing uh which is basically a really boring meeting where they all get around and talk about the problem and none of them can decide well, the free peoples of middle yeah. earth isn't it so the, it's 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 quite strange, and one thing I will say, I'll just go back to that Narsal thing, I read about it, there was a, you know, the painting of Sauron versus Isildur, there's a painting in Rivendell, um, John Howe in The Hobbit, because that painting reappears, had to put the ring on Sauron's finger, um, because he forgot to do it <laughs> on the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> changed it, <laughs> little, little tidbit, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they stay in Riverdale for a couple of months, hmm. actually, um, in terms of... Because in the book, Elrond sends loads of scouts out, including his sons, and they all have to return before they actually set out. So there's a few months of hmm. waiting um, in Riverdale, seeing time out, enjoying resting up. Yeah. Um, and then sending sending messages to like the dwarves, the wood elves... Um, Boromir comes because of a dream um, but in the book it's all about a letter as well from invited to the council yeah. of Elrond so <clears throat> these people have to arrive but it's all yeah. shortened up I mean in, well. in the in the, um, the book as well like the count, the, quite a lot of the council is taken up with the recounting of various bits of the story of the history of the ring from various people mm. so that they can put together yeah. a complete picture of what's happened Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, one thing I think we just need to pause there a bit with um, Rivendell um, because we need to find out what Gan- where was Gandalf? Uh, oh Gan- yeah, he was, a, where was he? Um, detained at uh, not at Her Majesty's pleasure, but Christopher um, Lee's pleasure. At uh, Christopher Lee's pleasure. <laughs> Christopher Lee's pleasure. Christopher Lee loved loved the Lord of the Rings. He, he read it once a he year. He read him once a year. Yes. Yeah. Um, didn't he meet Tolkien as well? So I'm not sure. He probably would have done. He was you so can old. tell he fucking loved that part though. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. And like he was so right for it as well. Oh. Yeah, so right for that role. Perfect yeah. casting. But like one of of um, yeah. Saruman's like most powerful traits in the book is his voice uh, and I can't think of anyone with a more yeah, commanding so voice like than 10 years Christopher before Lee. he died I think he was, he was either the Hobbit 
I wasn't able to do too much in The Hobbit, but I think it was about 10 years. 10 yeah, he was in it, but not for yeah, long, was he? 12 years before he... 14 years before he does. He still has a powerful voice. He still wasn't didn't look frail. You know? No. Him and um, Gandalf walking past next to each other really, really positive. Um, really great scenes and tackling words with words. When they have their epic wizard fight. They do. And I do love this wizard yeah. fight because... Contrast it to Harry Potter, what they did in visual means in terms of a film. Harry Potter does a lot of flashbangs, crackling magic, you know, lightning type of thing. Here it was it's magic without the flashbang wallop of it all. You know, we just mm. kept it like, yeah, Saruman's doing something to Gandalf, you know, whizzing up and knocking him back and stuff without seeing the effects of oh here's a form of lightning or here's a fireball or whatever it may be they just kept it you just kept it really really plain and simple yeah um yeah. now Sar- um, Saruman's the head of the order of the wizards he's the leader the most powerful that's just a bit of he's the most powerful of the wizards yeah the, 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 the leader the head of their order yeah um and the one who was the most uh, inquisitive, Ooh. I could you could, you could say, um, which of course leads him to being to fucking around with the Palantir, the Seeing Stones, ending up accidentally getting in contact with with Sauron and getting corrupted by Sauron, yeah. um, and turning into the bad guy, yeah. uh, and making his own. White hat army, yeah, Urukai, yeah, the Urukai, yeah, making his own army and whatnot. Um, so Saruman is uh, established straight away to be not, uh, not, not friendly, uh, not good. Um, but yeah, that's where that's where Gandalf was. That's why he was delayed. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what else happens? Um, lots of shouting, lots of arguing. Boromir wants to take the ring and use yeah. it as a weapon. Gimli doesn't like elves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never trust an elf. Uh, so they decide, right, we better destroy it. Uh, so we've got to take it to Mordor and throw it into the mountain where it came mm. from. And then there's the little flashback with um, Elrond, and, Elrond Isildur. and Isildur. And he's like, cast it into the fire. And he says no and takes it for himself. Um... And then, like, okay, we're going to go along. And then the hobbits, a bunch of uh, Sam and Merry and Pippin are like, no, you're not leaving without us. Uh, and then he's like, okay, fine. There's nine of you. That's poetic. Yeah. Because there's nine uh, ring wraiths off off your trot, and, lads. Uh, yeah. Um, and and you they get some the gifts. Fellowship of a ring. No. No, they don't get gifts. Gifts no. happen later. Um, yeah, you are the, the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, roll credits. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they go off on a. Sorry, we're gonna have to start speeding through this a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> they are they they go off um, traveling for a very long time on foot. Why they didn't take horses, I don't know. Uh, take that up with Tolkien. What about the eagles? Um, all the eagles that only show up when they feel like it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> They cannot be. I guess they. I think it's explained in the books that they they, they can't be commanded. They do yeah. what they want. 
and you can't you don't ask favors of them no. yeah they help you if they feel like it um they are friends of gandalf but he's not going to impose on them they're yeah they're well a friends is a stretch as well yeah i well, think he sent a moth um, to get help like we're here is it yes but also them deciding to help him is very much their decision yeah you know it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like oh shit we're going to help Gandalf it's like uh, we feel like helping Gandalf mm. <laughs> uh, yeah so they yeah the fellowship is formed and they head yeah. out um, they go off on a long uh, long journey interrupted briefly by a huge cloud of, of crows that are sent by yeah. uh, Saruman to try and find out where they're going um, they can't take the gap of Rohan because that goes too close to uh, Isengard um Isengard, by the way, is what my parents called their house when they moved into it. <laughs> That's how much my parents love Lord of the Rings. They called their house Isengard. Isn't that where they um, take the hobbits to? No, they take, there is, there is yeah. where they're taking That's the hobbits. That's a meme, isn't it? To Isengard, yeah. yes. Yeah. Along with potatoes. Hmm. Um, anyway, Sorry. Uh, they can't take the Gab Rohan because it takes them too close to... to um, Isengard Gimli says why don't we go through the, the Mines of Moria and, and Gandalf's like no I've heard some disturbing stories about Moria yeah, uh, so let's go shit. over bad the mountain uh, and they try to go over the pass of Caradras uh, in the mountains um, but Saruman's using his magic to create nasty storms um, and, and that's a voice of Saruman the that's voice of Saruman uh, and then in the book, isn't there? And aren't there like, um, like giant there's stone attack trolls? By wargs. So there's the there's the attack by wargs. Yeah, um, wargs are like bigger, nastier, angrier wolves. Yeah, um, which you'll see in the second film. But yes, yeah, the... but you don't see them in the first film. There's no, but yeah, no. they're not in there. So they're driven back. They can't take the gap of Rohan. The only other option is to go through Moria. Um, they find the gate of Moria. Speak, friend, uh, and yeah, speak, friend, enter. and enter. Uh, and because Gandalf's a dum dum, he can't figure out the puzzle. But Frodo figures it out. You see that? Like that? That doesn't make sense to me though, because like Gandalf is a pretty smart dude. He is, but even the smartest people sometimes have brain farts. Yeah. Uh, I suppose gaps, yeah. you know, blind spots or whatever, or they can't see the wood for the trees. Um, in the book, he solves it, though. I think he eventually does, he does. solve it. I That's don't... the thing. Is that he's, he solves it. Um, uh, with the, with, he, he solves it after one of the hobbits says something. Um, mm. Yeah. Just in conversation, and it's, and suddenly the, the, the puzzle clicks and he says it. Okay. Um, so he's made to look slightly less dumb in, in the book. Um, yeah. But yeah, he speaks the elvish word for friend, so... uh, which is Melorn. S- uh, yeah, and the doors open. Um, meanwhile, whilst everyone then, was standing outside, uh, people started like, <coughs> skimming rocks across the lake, the pool outside. Uh, and Boromir doesn't like it; he's afraid of the pool. Um, yeah, good then, reason too. For good reason, because as they start to go through the doors, a giant fucking kraken rises up from the pool. Um, now. Yeah. I remember the door thing from like mm-hmm. previous watches. 
But I don't remember the Kraken thing. Is that in the extended or is that in the theatrical as well? Oh god, no! It's a key. It's, a, it's the reason it's why they yeah. key scene. Yeah, because they go into uh, they, they step foot into to Mora, uh, into Moria and and uh, Boromir. I'm mean, Boromir. Um, uh, Gimli's all like, "Oh lads, Aragorn. lads, I'm um, gonna meet my, my mate soon. Uh, we're gonna have like red meat off the yeah. bone and and beer and everything. It's gonna be my it's uncle. Be all wicked. Is it my uncle, isn't it? His, yeah. his uncle or his cousin? I can't remember. Or both." Yeah. Um, Balin, 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 yeah, from the Hobbit. Um, and they see lots of corpses, like dwarf corpses and goblin corpses, and there's no music or sound, like the sound of dwarves. They're like, oh shit, shit's fucked here. And Gandalf's like, I told you. Um, and then they go to leave, and then the Kraken appears, and uh, once they free, it tries to grab Frodo because it senses the power of the ring. Um, and once they managed yeah. to free Frodo uh, and like hurt the Kraken thing a lot, the Watcher, the Watcher in the water, um, it like it it, it basically uh, caves the doors in behind them so they can't leave. So Fair it, it was quite an important scene. It was it was definitely in the cinematic version. Mm. Yeah. Um, um. In the book, there's a hint that Gandalf has been, and Aragorn himself has travelled through Moria before by themselves, secretly. Gan- uh, Gandalf together. straight up says that he's been there before, which is why yeah. he, I don't, he didn't want to say anything of, because hmm. I guess he knew what it, well, he knew what had happened but didn't want yeah. to be like yeah, uh, Gimli, your, your, uh, you know your, your family that's over in, in uh, uh, Moria, yeah, they're all dead. Uh, and all the other dwarves there are dead. So uh, now it's just orcs and goblins. So Gimli was expecting these mines to be filled with like living dwarves. Yes. And yes. they're not. They're not. They're not. That makes There's... some more sense now. Mm-hmm. There's an ex in between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, there's an expedition by Balin, one of the dwarves of the Hobbit, oh, yeah. to get Moria back. Because uh, Moria was lost, they had to flee Moria because they dug too deep, and they were forced out by what is revealed to be a Balrog. Durin's bane. And Durin's bane. Durin is their is their god, as such. Yeah. And um, Bailing goes with the dwarves, and they're successful. Yeah, at they first reclaim they it the for a while. Out. They drive the goblins back. Yeah. Um, but then the goblins. There's the, then the, there's the drums in the deep, and the goblins come yeah. and they cannot get out, uh, and everybody dies. Yeah. Uh, but we still managed to bury bury Berling. So I think Berling in the book dies. Is it Emerald Lake or something? He's getting a drink or something, and an orc shoots him. Yeah. With an arrow, and he's Berling, Lord of Moria, dies. And then they become trapped, and we can't get out. We can't get out, and eventually get drums, killed. Drums in the deep. Um, drums in the deep. Yeah, I mean they're pretty successful through Moria to get through quite quickly and quite quietly to about probably about seventy percent of a journey until Pippin, isn't it? Who drops in the book? He drops a stone. He drops it down a well. Yeah, he drops full a of a took. Yeah. Yeah. Here he knocks a whole suit of armor down the well and a bucket. Yeah, I don't know how it's implied. In it. It's not clear in the film, 
But in the books, they're in they're, they're traveling mm. through Moria for a good four days and, and nights. Oh, it's, uh, it's before yeah it's yeah before they find journey. Balin's tomb and then shit kicks off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is like I don't know what you'd say. It's probably the first, apart from this opening scene. It's the first major battle, isn't it, in the whole film? Mm. And then yeah. In the book itself, well, in the book there's a few battles, but this is the first one in the film. And if you, I don't know if you noticed, you probably would have done Mark, but I don't know if you noticed Nick. But the whole sound, mm-hmm. no music. There's music as they're tense, you know, as they're all waiting there with their weapon, arrow um, arrows knocked and ready to let fly and stuff. And they, the music, yeah, just when the door, off, when the door, the whole battle scene collapses and the cave troll comes through. The music stops. Yeah. And it doesn't come back for the yeah. entire scene. And it's all... Yeah. Realistic's it's just... really fucking cool. battle sounds. Like, the, the, the sound design yeah. and, the, and the music is one of the, the things that I think are uh, one of the strongest points about these films. The, the, that score and the sound... Um, as a whole are incredible but yeah the, the choice to to take because you, you know when you've got a battle scene you always have like an epic piece of music playing during a battle scene but there's no strip the music out completely it's it's yeah such an effective yeah. technique yeah and it shows you how powerful mm. this cave troll is because it just basically it knocks Boromir out um, almost calls Aragorn um, hits Takes loads and loads of arrows and stabs and mm-hmm. sword swipes to be killed. Picks up a big also, uh, pitchfork and um, stabs Frodo with it, and we think, "Oh shit, that's skews. the end of Frodo!" But yeah. secretly, we know he's wearing that mithril vest and he's going to be all right. Um, but yeah, it takes the combined effort of all nine of them to bring down this cave troll, including yeah. one of the most powerful yeah. wizards in the, on the planet. Um, they only just managed to take down this cave troll. I know. Uh, and then... Also shows Gandalf to be a pretty effective fighter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. He's pretty, yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty handy. Um, then they finally kill the cave troll. Fantastic scene. Absolutely one of the best scenes in the film. Um, like, the way that it's yeah. shot uh, is, is uh, incredible. Um... Oh shit! There's more. There's more cave trolls coming. Uh, block that door. We'll make for the bridge of Kazadoom. As they're going, yeah. they're passing through one of the gigantic halls, like huge halls. And suddenly, there's there's goblins pouring from everywhere, from the floor, crawling down the pillars. They're everywhere. And then like, they're, spiders. like spiders. Like spiders. Yeah. And then they're surrounded by hundreds, maybe thousands of them. And then they hear a sound, and the goblins start to retreat. And nobody knows yep. what their sound is, but Gandalf recognizes that noise. He's heard it before. Uh, yeah, it's it's something big. This foe is beyond any of you. Um, That's it. And they make for the they make for the bridge. There's a whole mm. scene that it's kind of I don't know. I this is the one of the only scenes where I thought like, and I, and I can't remember how much of this was in the theatrical version, how much was in the cinematic version. Uh, it was an extended version. Um, that it felt like it went on a little bit too long was the uh, working their way down the broken stairs. Yeah. And like, that whole sequence felt a little bit silly. 
The only mm. bit of action that felt a little bit silly was that. Uh, and I could have done with... They didn't need that. They just they didn't need that. They just run down some stairs and make their way across the Bridge of Khazadum. It's very narrow. It's, yeah. narrow it's, it's wide enough for only one person to get across. That was the reason it was made, so they could defend it easily, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They didn't need the whole sequence with the cr bits of crumbling staircase and like characters leaning forward to make the the sections fall in a particular way and uh, never toss a dwarf, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> Didn't really need it, although it does lead to a quite um, quite nice throwback, uh, a, a quite nice callback in the next film. Um, but yeah, regardless, yeah. I didn't particularly like that scene. But when they finally get it and they make their way across the Bridge of Khazadum and then Gandalf turns to make his last stand and you finally get to see the Balrog... Um, <coughs> pretty fucking cool mm. uh, oh it's pretty epic I loved that I just loved the design well, of the Balrog considering this is one of the big parts of the film that Nick forgot happened what did you think Nick mm. uh, which bit was this again uh, the, when they when the Balrog turns up on the, at the bridge with the bridge yeah oh yeah big it alright to be fair like <laughs> I'm I'm not a massive fan of like big action sequences um, it's not. I really, kind of. That's not really. A no, epic no. Action but like the whole cave just... troll and then the stairs bit was. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I. This is where I noticed I switched off a little bit. Um. Right. So yeah, I remember the not. I but remember the, the standoff fly falls on bit. the bridge. Is yeah. That, that's kind of that's an, a pretty iconic scene. The standoff between Gandalf and the and the Balrog. Is that yeah. where he falls down and says, "You shall not pass," you sort of thing, and fly you fools? Yeah, I re yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That scene's pretty cool. If it was like the uh, first scene, I think I sh yeah. I should have inserted a break before that bit. I think, but because the the whole like it's almost never yeah. never ending the cave troll. From from the moment that like that suit of armor falls down the, the well, there's like half an hour of never ending action. Never not never ending, sorry, like non stop action. Yeah. Um which was yeah. slightly hard for me to follow fully right. at the end. I don't know. I've got I've got bad news for you then. Yeah. Uh, oh dear. There's more to come in the other two films. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you, a lot more. Yeah, you, yeah you, take you some breaks. To, you might you might be able to follow it. Yeah, I should have probably uh, like anyway. had my break because I I did have like um I watched it in two halves. So I watched yeah the first up until they got out of the mines. Basically, I should have done that mm -hmm. to just before the mine before sequence started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's because I didn't know, basically. That's fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, they get, they get to the bridge. Gandalf turns. You shall not pass. The Balrog sniffs at him. Um, Gandalf, like, smacks his, slams his staff down on the bridge and makes it crack. The Balrog steps on the bridge. That The bridge collapses and the Balrog falls. Oh, but then it the, grabs him away. back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. Gandalf turns around to like walk off, like brush the dirt off his shoulder, and be like, "Yeah, I got this." Yeah. Um, but then the Balrog like whips as he falls, mm. and it catches Gandalf by the ankle and pulls him into the chasm after him. And he has just enough time to say, "Fly, you fools!" before yeah. he falls to seemingly his death. Um, 
and then the the rest of the 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 the, event, the rest of the, the the fellowship um leave through the, the the door on the other side of the bridge um have just enough time to catch their breath and, yeah. and mourn Gandalf a little bit and, and be like, yo, Frodo, how the hell did you right. not die back there when that cave troll skewered you? He's like, oh, I've got this mithril vest, that one that Gandalf was talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty it's cool. It's like Gimli anyway. liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is worth I'll, rather than Shire. Yes, I like that little line. I mean, that's that's in the books as well, that like the worth of the myth, because mithril is an incredibly rare material and an entire vest of it is worth more than the entirety of the Shire. Mm. Um, which is <laughs> pretty neat. Um, yeah, and then they make their way into the uh, the forest. Which, is this oh, the God? What's the forest called? Lothlorien. Lothlorien. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Nick. What are you going to say? I was going to say, have we already had the line about the elvish bread? No. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I like Not that yet. bit. Uh, that's coming up. That's coming up. Um, See, I like my Jar Jar yeah. Binks moments. <laughs> so they make it into the the, the forest of Lothlorien, uh, and they get stopped by um, I can't remember that elf's name. I don't think his his named in the book. Um, He's not named in the book. Because in the book, what happens is they are taken up into the trees. They're captured by the elves. In the book, they, they blindfold. They spend Gimli. The, They also spend the night in the trees, don't they? And the yeah, the, the, and the, orcs the orcs and the goblin raiding party come by. Uh, but uh, killed, and they don't. Um, yeah, they they go by underneath, but like uh, and pass by, and then yeah. but then like Gollum yeah. turns up as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's like mm -hmm. hanging out. In that's the tree. a point. Gollum, that's a point. Gollum picks up their trail of the Fellowship in Moria. That's when they start. When Frodo notices. Um, Gollum's following him. Yeah, I guess that's the only um, point where they may have, whether like they give an impression of like how long they're in the mines for, is because Gandalf says he's been following them for three days. Yeah, yes. yeah, and that's what what were the famous lines from Gandalf that keeps coming back. You know, was it something like we only put this earth to do with what time we can do? Oh, when when Gandalf, yes, when Frodo's saying that it's a pity that that yeah. Bilbo didn't kill. Yeah. Him. Yeah, it's pity that um, stayed his hand. Gun. Yeah, that's why probably Bilbo lasted so long. Because it began, he began his ownership with pity. With, pi with yeah. pity. Yeah. Yeah. So many good lines in the books. We, oh, yeah. oh man. And that, that, that is from that is yeah. from the books. I've recently yeah. read the book. The books. It is from the yeah. book where pity and we only put me surf for a short time. It's what to us what we do with it and yeah. It's it is amazing, just little scenes like that and the acting yeah. unbelievable. But yeah, we've got to Lothlorien. Um in the books, Gimli um is blindfolded but refuses unless all the fellowship is blindfolded. Mm. So all the fellowship are blindfolded. So they're not Because the, the elves this, do not like um, there's 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 this historic beef between elves and dwarves going back hundreds and hundreds of hundreds yeah. of years in the in the Middle Earth. But these particular Elves do not like dwarves because of what they stirred up in in, in Moria, right on their doorstep. Um, yeah. So they don't like Gimli, um, and Gimli doesn't like them at first until he meets yeah. Kate Blanchett, and then he's like, "Oh, maybe they're all right." Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe they are the best thing ever. Uh, so yeah, they, they get taken <laughs> to meet um, the Lady Galadriel, who's a very old um, elf. 
uh, Elven Queen and her her husband um, mm. uh, Kelibor. I think his name's Kelibor. Um, Salibor. Yeah, I think it's pronounced Kelibor. Uh, yeah. And she's they she finds out that Gandalf fell in Moria. Um, and they're like, mm. okay, well, you need to carry on with your journey. Stay here for a short mm. while. Rest up. We'll give you some gifts. Off you go. By the way, Frodo, I've I've got this. Um, uh, uh, I've got I've got this magic mirror that'll show you things. Do you want to come and have a look at it? Uh, and you guys and have a look in the books. Um, the visions of the the Shire on fire. Uh, Frodo doesn't see those. That's what Sam sees in the mirror. Yes, that's and Sam's sees. like, that's it. I'm going to leave. I'm gonna, I've got to go back. I've got to. I've got to save. I've got to save yeah. uh, my. I've got to save my old gaffer and save the Shire and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Frodo doesn't see that at all. He sees a bunch of stuff um, from a bunch of symbology from like Elvish history and mythology, and then he sees yeah. the eye. The eye. Yeah. Yeah, the eye of Sauron. But yeah, but in the book it foreshadows the ending of the yes. book. Whereas. Here, it's an interesting nod to the possibility of what will happen. Yeah, because um, what he sees... Yeah. Well, we'll get onto that when we get to the final film. It's, a, it's one of the biggest disappointments of, yeah. this, of the franchise for me. But we'll get onto that when we get to the third film. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, God. We need to start speeding across. We've been doing this nearly two hours. Um, <laughs> but it's a four-hour film. I know, I know. Gladriel gives them loads of gifts. Um, including some bread, corn, Nick. What did you like about that line? It was the um. Oh, was it one piece of bread will keep a grown man fed for five days or something? And yeah. the one uh, crumb. One, one crumb. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember which one. Merry Wise or Pippin said, "How many have you had?" And it's like four or something. Yeah, Pippin's eaten. Yeah, four Pippin's eaten four of them, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's implied that, that um, hobbits can put food away, and there's the whole we missed like, the second breakfast thing as well. It's like yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, um, I don't think he knows about second breakfast. He's like, what about elevenses and and luncheon and afternoon tea and and supper and whatnot? <laughs> yeah, it's implied that the hobbits eat a lot and they enjoy their food. Yeah, um, yeah, they get um, it's called lembus, isn't it? Lembus, that's it. Bread, yeah, um, or cram. Um, this. Uh, one of the characters what I, thought, uh, I think it's what Boromir calls it in the book he knows it as yeah. cram um, have we had have we just skipped over the like gifting scene yet well sort of well that <laughs> that scene happens after they leave doesn't Ooh. it it's after they leave there's like each character the camera looks at each character and then it flashes to whatever they reminisce they're, they're reminiscing yeah. about Gladriel giving them a gift yeah, because um, she Mary and Pippin get these. Cloaks. Yeah, you see, you see her gifting um, them, don't you? That was that yeah. really reminded me of uh, *Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe* with Santa. Oh. Do you uh, do you remember that? So like, don't in *Lion* Santa shows up in the woods and gives each of them a gift. <laughs> Does it? Oh, which yes. I don't know if yeah. there's any like because Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were like mates, weren't they? I don't know if there's any like. Crossover there, yes, there were. yeah, they, they they were contemporaries, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know, I don't know. But a lot of these gifts 
foreshadow things that really neat will return mm. to later in the film or later in the story. So the cloaks, the light, Sam, the rope that yeah. Sam gets. Yeah, uh, the rope. But, he gets a rope and a, and a box of seeds. Yeah, that's important yeah. in the book. It's very yeah, important because he's really into bondage. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. The <laughs> box of seeds is very important because he's a gardener. Well, yeah, yes. yeah. I was on about um, the rope. Uh, no, no, the, the Gimli gets three strands of her hair. Yes, he asks for three Gorgeous strands hair. of her hair so that he can have it set in crystal, because yeah, uh, Gimli is real thirsty. <laughs> I suppose. Um, I suppose to Gimli, she is like eight foot tall. It's like all those people on Just the internet, like who the Resident Evil about, woman. Yeah, Lady yeah. Dimitrescu or whatever her name is, the the nine foot vampire lady in Resident Evil. But that is like she is literally that to him because he's so yes. small. Yeah, exactly. Not quite as well dressed as Lady Dimitrescu, but yeah, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, I think you've got on something there. Gimli really wants to be <laughs> stepped on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they um, they go off on their um, on their little trip down the river. But right, um, they, which is another amazing New Zealand yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, and obviously enhanced by some CG. The giant statues. Oh, yeah. yeah, um The yeah, I've got those. I've got them. Uh, they were given the DVD version of the extended ones. Came in nice little collector's editions. Yeah. And I've got all three of them, and the first fellowship ones, you get the Argonoth as a book. Um, oh, books. bookends. Oh, nice. Bookends, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so. very good. Mm. Uh, very, very, some incredible visuals uh, on that journey. And oh, no, but uh, again, just, you, it, it's, it feels like it's, it's a, a long stint of the journey compressed into a short montage. They're yeah. on those boats for a good long time. Um, but I also feel that once again, history of Middle Earth, all these parts, you know, with the Argonath, with Weathertop, and all that, there's a history to Middle Earth itself. It yep. just keeps pervading in throughout the story, yeah. and it's almost hints that the, the way Middle Earth is at the moment, it's almost like the people of Middle Earth can't reach the heights of the past oh. at this moment no. time. For sure, yeah. You know, um, the you know, like we've got the, we've got the pyramids, and that here becomes like life, but... a, a really evident once you start delving into like the history. Mm. If you start reading the Silmarillion uh, and the appendices to Lord of the Rings, and you start digging into the history of Middle Earth, like he was uh, the first real, I've got to say, like author who really got who who really indulged in world building. Um, yeah. In a way that I can't, I don't, I can't think any author before him did. He wrote entire languages, entire histories of the peoples of Middle Earth, and um, entire histories of the events leading up to um, the up to the events of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and whatnot. Third age, yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredible. But um, uh, I'm not sure throughout the film. It is, yeah, it is, it is for sure, uh, and it's shown a little bit more. Um, in the other two as well, 
so yeah, they, they make it as far as the Falls of Raras and they can't go any further on their boats. So they're going to continue on foot. Um, yeah, I mean, it comes a time of deciding, isn't it? There's a feeling, I mean, Boromir's trying to convince Aragorn We need to go to, to, to go Gondor. To Mount yeah. Sturf. To take yeah, the ring, because he's still trying to convince them that they can use it as a weapon against Sauron. The rest of them are like, mm. no, we need to go north um, and enter mm. Mordor through the through the north. And uh, Gimli's like, but I don't know about that. It's like, it's, it's uh, that route sounds pretty fucked up, bro. Um, but mm. in the meantime, they're going to take some time. Frodo's going to take some time to decide. And Boromir tries to take the ring from him um, because he's a man and he's yeah. weak. Um, and he's a Sheffield United fan. And he's a Sheffield United to... fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> comes to his senses. He does, but too late. I mean, too late. He he comes to his senses too after late, but... Frodo's already fled. Um, yeah. So Frodo puts the ring on and runs. Be... And decides that he's going to go on yeah. alone, completely alone. Not even take Sam with him. The only reason he takes Sam with him is because Sam like tries to um, drown himself. He, he basically, yeah, he accidentally t- tries to yeah. drown himself by following, <laughs> by swimming after him, and then being like, "Oh no, I, I just Sam, I realised I can't swim." <laughs> That's a plum, um, but a loyal plum. Uh, so those two are going to go off on their own. Um, but not before all the Urukai show up. I do like, and Merry and Pippin are like, "We'll run distraction so you can go off." Um, and so they they run yeah. distraction. Uh, and the Urukai. Oh, we forgot to mention, of course, when they were sent off by Saruman, they were like, uh, "Bring me these halflings, uh, kill everyone else." And they don't know which halflings they're kill looking everyone. for. Uh, and so they see these two halflings are like, right, we want those. And then Boromir shows up and he's like, now I'm going to protect you. And he fights off lots and lots and lots of these Urukai until one dude with a top knot shows up um, with his bow and fills Boromir with arrows. Yeah. Lots and lots of arrows. He Loads. takes a lot of arrows. Um, like four. They're big old arrows, though. Have you ever... They're big. I'm so, yeah. They're big arrows, but like there's three or four. It's it's implied in the books that he four. takes a lot more, but it kind of would have looked a little bit yeah. silly if by the end of that scene he looked like a pincushion. Um, four <laughs> arrows was enough to take him down, I think. Um, especially where they hit. Yeah. I think one hits above the heart, one hits in his side. They've all they all like they've all punctured major organs. organs. Um, he's on the way yeah. out anyway. Uh, but he, he lives long enough to see uh, Aragorn have the best action scene in the film. Um, his one-on-one fight with that. Yeah. When he like, oh, so many little cool moments of that. When the when the Urukai like throws his shield at uh, Aragorn and it pins him to the uh, to the tree. Um, and then Aragorn like stabs him, and the Urukai just guy just like pulls the 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 knife out and then just licks it. Um, mm. yeah, it's 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 a cool little fight scene, very very well th- choreographed. Um, not over the top, oh. and not full of lots and lots of like jump cuts. Um, yeah, well shot. No, but I think the whole fight scene from the start when, because when it starts, because I think we'll come to it, is 
the three most powerful, well, three of the most powerful yeah. people of the Fellowship, um, including, well, uh, uh, on the side of the three peoples, are all tested by the ring. Gandalf, Gladriel, and Aragorn all say no to the ring. And they're yeah. all capable of wielding the ring mm. yeah. and probably holding the run. And they all say no. And at that point, you know, when Aragorn notices um, Frodo's blade turn blue, so he knows what the orcs about. And from then on, it's just an epic battle scene. And it's sweeping. I just love the way it sweeps mm-hmm. across through the trees. And I've, you know, the camera views, you've never seen that before in any other film. And I feel, you know, like when I look at this film, 2001, this film influences so many other films in their camera views. And it influences Harry Potter, the later Harry Potter's look look at Lord of the Rings and how it spirals up and the camera view spiral up buildings like for example Isengard the views of the, hel- the use of a helicopter um, to look at the top down the chase of the Nazgul this battle itself how it sweeps through the trees from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill it it inspired so many directors to copy this because I don't think it's ever been seen before Peter Jackson really really did not just Innovated all these scenes and stuff, but just a way how to film how to film them, how to use um, visual effects only when necessary. Mm. Um, and it's one of the, the the few weak points I've got to say. The, the well, hang on, we'll come on to that. We'll, we'll, we might as well finish the plot. Um, Aragorn and uh, mm. the Urukai have a big fight. Boromir dies in Aragorn's arms and says sorry for trying to take the ring. Frodo and Sam go off on their own. The Urukai have got Merry and Pippin. So Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are like, right, we better, we better, like, Frodo's Gimli. journey is his own now. We better go and save Merry and Pippin. Um, and that's where mm-hmm. the, the Hunts of Mork, and that's where the film ends. Let's hunt some Mork. Um, and yeah. I mean, How does the film end with Frodo and Sam? The film ends with Frodo and Sam, yeah. 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 Looking at yeah, looking at sharing the moments, sharing the moment, and, and like making their their steps towards their final destination. Um, so um, yeah, what I wanted to say about the visual effects yeah. is some of them are absolutely incredible and hold up to this day. There's the moment when um, Gandalf is on top of the tower. Um, uh, uh, at um, uh, Isengard, yeah, it's the Tower of Orthanc at Isengard. Isengard, uh, and the he, there's the um, the uh, big moth turns up and like he whispers to the moth and the moth flies up and then the camera flies down and it goes through yeah. like all the, the works that are happening around Isengard, the, like the, the where they're making this army and whatnot. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're cutting right. the trees down and stoking all the fires. So the camera's and, yeah, moving yeah. through that environment. That is all a miniature. All of that was a miniature. And the camera is moving through a mm. physical, crafted miniature. Uh, and you can tell because it feels real. I don't know, man. And have you? there's a lot have, of other scenes. Have you heard of this where, cool thing called yeah. CGI? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Is like There's some other scenes. So when you see Gandalf first... Like rides up to Isengard, and Saruman comes down the steps, and he's talking to yeah. him. 
and behind him is green screened and it looks rough mm. and there's a few other scenes where it mm. looks a bit rough and this is something that's going to come up in the other films as well there are one or two shots in every every uh, all three of the Lord of the Rings films where the CGI just looks a bit iffy mm. where it doesn't quite look right and it's just the CG yeah. and it's the limitations of the time this was technology that's like 20 years ago and like you can say the same for every other film that's had like um, um, excellence like visual effects um, since the introduction you go back to Jurassic Park um, so a lot of the visual effects in that look really good some of them look pretty ropey mm. um, it's the same with these films but I do want to say as a caveat this film had a budget of 98 million dollars um which was a lot in 2001. It's a lot. Yeah, but I had a little look at the other blockbuster films that came out in 2001. You've got Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, The Mummy Returns, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, um, Swordfish, um, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just having a look at the how much those films cost to make. And with the exception of uh, Ocean's Eleven and The Mummy Returns, every single one of those films cost quite a bit more to make than Lord of the Rings did. I wonder how how did they budget for each movie? Was, did they all have the same budget or was, it, was there some kind of shared? Because obviously uh, a lot of it will have been sort of, a lot of the sets and the CG and stuff will have been kind of shared of the greater vision, wouldn't it? And so certainly the costumes and and things like that. Yes, uh, and props. I cannot say. So uh, the budget. Sorry, it's not ninety eight. So it's ninety three million. So I take it back. Um, uh, only Ocean's Eleven out of those films cost less to make than the first uh, Lord of the Rings film, according to the what they say. Yeah. Uh, I I just wonder, like, say how much is because two fifty, I think, for the whole trilogy. I think for the whole three. That's damn cheap really so 93 for the fellowship 94 for two towers 94 yeah so they're basically like giving each one just less like 90 93 million less than less than 300 yeah yeah um so they did an incredible they did an incredible amount of uh work with a still like a huge amount of money but like um what uh, if you haven't watched them already? Do you have access to the DVDs, Nick? Um, yeah, I've got the extended Blu-rays. Okay. Yeah. Um, watch the making of stuff. Um, it's mm. incredible how they they had, um, and it's one of the things that showed that that became a failing of the Hobbit because they didn't have this. Is they had like the amount of pre-production work, the amount of costumes sets of armor weapons miniatures everything that were that were made and ready to go a year before they even started shooting yeah like the level of preparation that went into making these films is insane uh, and the amount of work that went into it is is incredible um and yeah like i said aside from a few shots with some green screen stuff which I'm on it, if I'm being honest, it still looks better than all the green screen stuff in the Star Wars prequel films. Um, 
but it's, it, it, it noticeably looks worse than all the scenes where they're on a set and where they're using miniatures. Um, Peter Jackson strikes me as being a someone who enjoys the techn technological advances of new CG uh, elements and things like that. That's why, why he released a film in 48 frames a second for some unknown reason. Um, but he's also got one foot stuck firmly in the past and he loves physical sets and he loves miniatures and he loves animatronics and guys in rubber suits. Uh, you know, um, part of him is still still making budget horror films in New Zealand um, uh, with no money. Oh, you know? I mean, this one got nominated for loads of Oscars and won yeah. most of it on visual effects. Um, but, you know, really, I think... Um, I can't forget his name. Ian McKellen should have won uh, Best Supporting Actor. I thought he was brilliant. I think Viggo Mortensen's brilliant. I think all the actors, even Sean Bean, is brilliant. Yep. He gets an epic death scene. I just, I think it's, it, everyone is really unbelievably brilliant. I mean, even Salah from Indiana Jones, isn't it? It's Salah. Um, yeah. In terms of awards, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're a, you're just technical best cinematography, best visual effects, best makeup, and best original score. Yeah. Um, it was nom uh, Ian McKellen yeah. was nominated for best acting supporting but, role. He was also nominated for best art direction, best director, best yeah. film editing, best original song, um, best picture, best sound. Which how the hell did it not win? Best sound uh, and best costume designer, best adapted yeah. screenplay. So yeah, it was nominated for a, a lot. lot. And. This sort of breaks the mold, and you know, it's an unbelievable film. I think it's it's probably one of my favourite films. Well, the whole trilogy is my favourite. It's probably it's difficult to say which ones because sometimes I love the Two Towers a bit more now, more appreciated of it. But I do love the Fellowship. The Fellowship's how it starts and how it takes you through the lands. It, um, you see more of Middle Earth in the Fellowship. Whereas in the others, they do, st I mean, eventually just stick around Gondor. Yeah. That's the engine. Um, but this one's. This one is a. Th uh, uh, in terms of my favourites of the three, this one is a very, very close second to The Two Towers. I think Two Towers is the, is the best film in the trilogy. Yeah. The Return of the King. Um, well, we'll we'll come on to that when we watch that one. But the Return of the King has some has some problems. Uh, uh, I think uh, Peter Jackson indulged himself a little bit too much uh, in certain areas in the Return in Return <laughs> of the King to the detriment of other areas. Um, other parts of the story yeah. that probably should have been told that didn't because Peter Jackson was too busy doing other parts of the story that perhaps didn't need quite so much time wasted on them. Uh, but anyway. Um, I was saying it's an Empire Strikes Back ending this when I was thinking about it. Because you've got Merry and Pippin gone, Boromir dead, um, but you've got that little bit of hope. You know, like when The Fellowship fractured. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it, is a, it ends on a bit of a downer, um, which is... Uh, 
bold move to take in your opening film of a three film yeah. franchise. That's it. Is to end the film with, oh shit, everything's fucked. Yeah. Um, and because Boromir in the books dies at the beginning of the second of the two towers. Yeah. Not at the end yeah, of the yeah. fellowship. Uh, well, yeah, the film ends. Um, yeah, after the uh, after the beginning of the second book, essentially. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know that's, that's fine. That's fine. You, you move things around to, to make it more yeah. cinematic. Um, I trust Peter Jackson when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could go on think, at length about um, about this film. Uh, so, and we, but we've been going for two hours and fifteen minutes, <laughs> so I'm not going to. Uh, Nick, what did you think? <laughs> um, it was a good film. I think I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd, so that kind of shows. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to. That's fair. Read, sorry, read. I'd like to watch the cinematic cut. Um, I think that'll be better. Um, it's a more, it's a tighter experience. Like yeah. the the extended editions are for like Tolkien mm. sickos like yeah. Andy. It's um, I can see <laughs> the cinematic. I could see me getting better. to that point one day, but I'd need to like read the books and stuff beforehand, which I do have them downloaded and ready to read on at some point. But yeah. my to read pile is massive. Um, but I would also I would also thoroughly like highly highly recommend anyone who has enjoyed the films or enjoyed the books uh, or both to check out the um the 1981 radio series of lord of the rings um you can get them as a an audio book um it's an old it's an old bbc dramatization so it's the full the, the full power of the um the 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 big the BBC sound effects archive was put uh, 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 on display for for this series and an incredible cast. My all time favourite version of Gollum is the Gollum in uh, the radio version, even better than um, Andy Serkis hmm. in the films. Promised, yeah. Yes, my precious, we promised to save our precious, not to let him have it. Never. <laughs> but it's going to him, yes. Nearer every step. What's the hobbits going to do with it when he wanders? Yes, he wanders. I can't help it. Master's got it. Smeagol promised to help. Master. He's talking with himself. What's he going on about? But if we was master, then we could help ourselves, is this? Yes, and still keep promises. But the precious holds the promise. Then takes it. And let's hold it ourselves, is this? Then maybe master. Make the other hobbit, the nasty, suspicious hobbit, make him cry. <laughs> so much for you, Sir Ganji. <sighs> but not the nice hobbit. He's a baggins. My precious, he is a baggins. A baggins stole it. He found it and he said nothing. Nothing. <laughs> We hates Bagginses, not this Baggins. Yes, every Baggins. 
Our peoples that keep the precious. We must have it. But he'll see. He'll know. He'll take it from us. What's he going on about? And who's he when he's at home? Does he mean the Dark Lord? Best keep your ears wide open, Sam. If we have it, then we can escape even from him. Perhaps we grow very strong. Stronger than the raises. Lord Smeagol? Gollum the Great? The Gollum. Each visit is every day, three times a day, fresh from the sea. Must have it. We want it. We want it. But there's two of them. They'd wait too quick and kill us. Not now. Not yet. Um, it's it's well worth listening. It's it's still not the complete story, but uh, there's more of the Lord of the Rings in there than there is in the books. Mm. It's a nice gateway to working your way up to, you know, getting through those books. Yeah, it is good. It's really good. It's worth listening to it. Like in your yeah. car, it's, it's like a really good. It's probably better than the audio book in many ways. It is. Brilliant. It's so much better than because it's a full dramatization with a full cast, fully mm. voiced, incredible music, incredible sound. Um, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, should we do some feedback from the fans? Yeah. So, um, Andy tweeted out earlier, we're talking about Lord of the Rings, the Fetish of the Ring tonight. What did you think of the film? Let us know. Um, we had quite a few responses, actually. Um, yeah. Our good friend Dougie, um, at SatireVI, said, it made reading the book a damn sight easier fantastic music too the music is incredible mm. um yeah, howard, howard shaw, shaw was a bit yeah howard shaw he'd done it like up until that point he'd, he'd kind of the only f- films he'd really done for like some david cronenberg stuff uh, a couple of films for scorsese he'd done some films for um sydney lumet and david uh, and um, david fincher but he hadn't really done a big big blockbuster film um and he did he did a he did a full he did a John Williams uh, on this yeah. like so many iconic pieces of music um, instantly recognisable oh. themes uh, something that, that you don't get in blockbuster movies these days and that's a score that you can remember um, yeah he, he knocked it out of the park and there's an extended version of it as well yeah um, he knocked it out of the park it's the music good. is incredible um, yeah Column, the nicest man on the internet, uh, at Solemn67 said, I'd never read the books before the well, movie came you out. You didn't think that earlier. Oh, he is. <laughs> he's fine. He, he's, he's lovely. <laughs> I know. He's a cheeky shit, though. Um, <laughs> I never read the books before this movie came out, so I was excited to see this movie. Uh, it had to be seen on the, on the big screen, and I was not disappointed. It was epic, so much so that I got all the extended DVD versions of the three movies. I love them all. Much better than The Hobbit. Well, yeah, The Hobbit's not good. Yeah. Um, I did manage to read The Hobbit three times before seeing The Hobbit movies, but I still prefer The Hobbit books over The Hobbit movies just because the films are bad. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, Dave? Dave at yeah. Yellow Bug. Yeah. 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 Um, he said, uh, I really enjoyed them. I think a lot... Uh, a lot of it was because it was a series of movies I saw at the cinema with my dad. He never goes to the cinema, but really looked forward to the release of each one. We did both The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit as a father-son thing, which was quite cool. That's that's lovely. I, um, I loved being able to share watching those films with my, with my parents. Um, oh, man. 
I suspect I, I suspect that quite a lot of that because the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings, really becomes mm. popular in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Well, it was published in the fifties. So, then it took a little while to become a sort of cultural yeah. thing. Um, you know, to become popular. My parents first started to get into it. Yeah, sort of late seventies, early eighties, just in time for the you know the dramatization to be on, uh, and mm. then they were hooked from there. Um, yeah. Uh, last piece of correspondence um, from uh, my good friend Mike at Bulbasaur27. Um, possibly the gold standard of adaptations still looks stunning now thanks to its mix of digital and practical effects. Has epic spectacle but never forgets that it's the characters that make the story. No, I'm not crying at Sam swimming out to Frodo. Best of the trilogy. Um I guess in terms of pure character moments, it is probably the best of the trilogy. Uh, I still prefer the second. It is. I think but, that's what, um, just yeah. for pure character moments. It's, I think it's the best one. Everyone has. It's the best one I've seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you start seeing the depth of Varagon's weight on his shoulders as being the heir, carrying the blood of Isildur, the mistakes of fathers, and. I I don't yeah. know. As a, you know, when you talk about cult, Tolkien being the ultimate world beater of a first world. Maker. Well, the first one, yeah. yeah. This one is almost like the world maker. It has to. It has to set the world. This is the one. It does a very, very good job of setting up the world of of Middle Earth, um, setting up these the the, the characters. Mm. What's at stake? Um, and so that the other that the other films can sort of stretch their legs a little bit yeah. and uh, lean more into the spectacle, I guess. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's it's a it's a bloody good film. Bloody yeah. good film. Um, Go and watch it. I now cannot wait to do the next one. Um, when are we going to do that, lads? When are we going to do the two towers? The um, end of this month, isn't it? Beginning of next month. Did we say one a month? Okay, one a month. I'm happy with one that. One a month. All right. I'm good with that, Nick. <laughs> unless, we speed, unless you want to yeah. speed it up. No, 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 no. I, I can't handle a two and a half hour podcast recording all that often, <laughs> uh, especially because um, I'm the only one that edits them. So um, this weekend's going to be a tough one. Um, have we got any anything else we want to say about it? Just go and watch it, and I'm going to get it on 4K, I think. I think I'll be the third different version of it. Yeah, yeah, ex- I, I, yeah, I would like to get a 4K print of these films, for sure. There's a, there's a new edition coming out this year. I think we're going to release all six films as together as a, with an extra, oh, extra features. I don't want The Hobbit. They've already Ex- got the 4K... Cuts. They're already out. The Lord there's the a new box set coming out with new special features. Also, oh, and you want stuff. you want another box? Oh, I'm another box. one of those sickos that will buy yeah. it for the special features. I yeah. don't want to watch the Hobbit films. Although, I, do you know? Do you know what I enjoy watching more than the Hobbit films is the making of the Hobbit films because they're it's quite uh, warts and all. It, and they're like, yeah, we we know we fucked up with these films. Here's why. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's basically how not to make a film, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Like, there's just actors standing around film. like, which film are we filming right now? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. What are we doing? So I don't many, know. Like, We're in some barrels. So many clips of, like, uh, talking head clips with the staff members being like, um, well, oh, I can't I can't say this. And then they just go and say it anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just didn't prepare. Yeah, I think there's a lot more studio interference oh. as well, because it's Warner Brothers. Oh, loads. Loads, 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 yeah. It's, it's the... Yeah. Um, and there, there was allowed to go off. pretty much none, really, for Lord of the Rings. They let Peter Jackson get on with it, and they made one of the greatest movie trilogies of all time. So well, it's weird, isn't it? You let him go off and do his, he makes one of the best movie trilogies, and then you go, mm-hmm. come back and do it again, but we're going to interfere and we're going to give you less time. Yeah. And, we say, and you're like, why just let him go? And we're going to force it to be three movies. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I've, when I rewatched them again last year, I felt like it needed to be free because otherwise you'd squash quite a lot. It does pack in a lot. Yeah. And they cut so much out of the books and still it's yeah. like it's nearly 12, the extended version is nearly 12 hours mm-hmm. of film. Um, and they still had to cut so much stuff out. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. I can't wait to do the next one. Um, should we wrap it up? Cool. Yep, we'll wrap it up. Awesome. Thank you. Um, you can see us on lapsgamer.com. Um, um, I've still got some stuff to put on there. Um, you can see contact us on Twitter at lapsgamerradio. Um, you can see us on Twitch. We are still streaming. Um, just come and join us. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep an eye on the Twitter. Very, very fluid. Yeah, very fluid. Keep an eye on Twitter. You'll see so what you'll people see are streaming. Yeah, and thank you guys. We have started our journey through Middle Earth. Nick, <laughs> keep those walking <laughs> boots on. It's only just beginning. And thank you, Mark, for your knowledge. Oh, it's so nice. long. Uh, yeah. Come back, join us for the next one where they take the Hobbits to Isengard. <laughs>